here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match, and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. Mikazi now, he's not okay, so, so Mikazi, he's not a kid anymore. He's, he's, he's a, a boy, he's a man now. He's, he's, he's man Mikazi. Are you ready? He got PWS Superstar by him. And he just got into him now. So it's in go for Nollies. In or Nobles. In go Nobles. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Many, 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 makey, 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 pishy, pishy! are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cringe. Give me a joke. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the, in the big spot. Who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast, sponsored by MacWeldon.com. I am Rich Craig, alongside, as always, the king of banter himself, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, I'm not going to ask you how you're doing, because you get all mad, and, you know, I don't. I, I guess I don't care. I mean, I do, because we didn't really have that much here, but I'm not even going to ask. So uh, I, had a, I had an answer prepared. This oh, time. well, you know, this is what happens. You're throwing another curveball. See, now I finally, I'm ready for that question. Okay. And, and well, you're I don't care. Ask it. Well, I don't care. Fine. Yeah, we could talk if you want. I, I don't, I mean... I was going to say, Rich, <laughs> Rich my day has been fine. <laughs> like, okay, go on, go on. That I'm doing terrible. Oh. I'm in an awful mood. <laughs> and the burials are coming, starting with Cameron. And I can't wait to talk about these WWE cuts, because I'm going to bury her six feet under, let me tell you. Her name is Cameron, right? The one that got cut? It's yes. Not Naomi. No. It's Cameron. <laughs> good start, so- good start. Yes, no. <laughs> it, yes, it is indeed Cameron, the one that was cut, so... I, listen, I've been getting them confused for the last three years. Well, okay. But I mean, one has... I, okay. Well, whatever. Yeah. 
Yeah, one has the giant ass. That's what you're well, going to no, Well, no, I think they both have very... Um, oh, no, no. Naomi's got the giant ass. No, I think they both are doing pretty well. I mean, I was going to say that one of them is blonde and one has black hair, which is always a good difference between them. Cameron's, Cameron is girl by. Cameron is girl by, correct. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she doesn't have, like, f- a flat ass, but Naomi is... I, I, I get what you're saying, yes. They're, one of them is, is far more endowed in that area. Right, yes. Posterior, right. or whatever the hell that word is. Yeah. So, <laughs> but yeah, she's getting buried, because I'm in a, I'm in a foul mood, and Uh-oh. I can't wait to talk about these cuts. Well, you've been, I thought you were all on her team. Now, now it's changed, I guess. Okay, we'll see. Hey, we'll, yeah, well, hey. we'll get to that, right? All we'll right, I will. Yeah, we're going to have a, a heated argument about a, a throwaway line in a way too long tweet. So that's a, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But uh, yeah, so we got plenty to talk about. We, of course, have the WWE cuts, um, as Joe mentioned. Um, Dragon Gate Dead or Alive. We have not talked Dragon Gate in a while. We are going to make sure like that. I, I don't know if we want to lead off with it, but it's got it. Like, we cannot wait till the last hour. Like, that's what we I'm always. An exec- I, listen, I'm making an executive decision. We lead off with the dragon. Okay, because then we won't. We'll forget. We'll do global wars. We'll do these cuts. We'll be talking about other crap, and then we'll have like twenty minutes left, and we're gonna have to do that alive in you know ten minutes. And we're not doing that. We're not gonna allow Dragon Gate to possibly. They deserve it. They they, they had a hell of a show, a hell of a main event, a lot of good stuff going on. So we're not gonna forget about Dragon Gate here today. So yes, I'm with you. We will do Dragon Gate off the top. Also, WWE cuts. Uh, Global Wars, a show I attended, you watch live. Um, very newsworthy show, so we'll get into that. Uh, also, Evolve had a very uh, newsworthy angle uh, in their weekend show, so we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, if we get a chance, we'll talk some New Japan Pro Wrestling. There's some little stuff going on here and there. But for the most part, I think that's going to be the bulk of our show is the Dragon Gate, WWE Cuts, Global Wars, and then the Evolve angle. So we'll, we'll see what happens you know, as we go on. I'm sure we'll get derailed at, at certain points. But uh, that's, the, that's the bulk of it. But, um, Joe, I do want to, before we get into Dragon Gate, I want to talk about, I alluded to it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but uh, this podcast is sponsored by MacWeldon.com. How awesome is that? We, we rumored that somebody was going to want, somebody somehow, for some reason, wanted to sponsor this podcast, and it was MacWeldon.com. Uh, Rich, I heard a rumor that you are wearing Mac Weldon underwear right now. That is in a, a very true rumor. I don't know what that, that's a good scoop. I don't know who gave you that scoop. I don't know if Rovert or Trevor <laughs> Trussling fan gave you that one, but uh, I am indeed wearing Mac Weldon underwear right now, and I can tell you. Um, and and so essentially, to give people an idea when when Mac Weldon decided, hey, that we're going to buy some sponsorship on your show or whatever. They gave us a coupon code and and uh, a login and said, hey, you know, buy some of this stuff, wear it, let us know what you think. You know, tell tell your listeners what you actually think of the product if you like it if you don't like it whatever um as rob mccarran alluded to on the shake them rose podcast you went in and spent all the money immediately so the rest of us really couldn't buy anything um i was able thankfully to have a little bit of the scraps that you left over for us and i was able to buy a pair of underwear how's that sweatshirt by the way joe because you definitely should just go in and buy the most expensive thing right off the bat that'd be great let me tell you rich (laughs) i bought It's a wonderful you got a wardrobe. You got a freaking wardrobe out of that. And I was maybe going to get a pair of underwear out of the scraps that you left for us, but I, I did not know how the coupon code works. <laughs> Clearly, I simply, I innocently went in and purchased a single item. That's all. Yeah, it's not. Hey, listen, I, I didn't understand how the credits worked or any of that. I went in and got my free item, and it is a tremendous hooded sweatshirt. Let me tell you, as you know, Rich, I spent hours in the gym, staying in top peak Absolutely. physical yeah. condition. And this is a slim fit hooded sweatshirt. I've worn it many times already. It fits wonderfully. It's have you done a have you done a post haircut wear? I, I wore it the day of my haircut and <laughs> I, I I couldn't have felt better. I had a fresh haircut. I was wearing this tremendous garment. I looked good, I felt good, it was stylish, it fit me like a glove, tremendous slim fit. 
I love my my Mac Weldon uh, hooded sweatshirt, Rich. Absolutely, yeah. And as far as the underwear, um, I <laughs> it seems such a weird you know lead in. Well, Joe, let me let me talk a little bit about my underwear for you. But I, yeah, you're you're right. I'm wearing the Mac Weldon stuff today. I've worn it a few times already. I've I've washed it. Don't worry. I, I I've worn it and then rewashed because just in case you're wondering how many you know the practice. But um, yeah, as far as as the fit and the wear, I, I do you ever wear compression shorts? I because well, you're a man who goes to the gym all the time, so I imagine you know while you're you know running on the treadmill or you know what whatever it is that you do, you just do pure bodybuilding or what do you what what is what is a Joe Lanza gym trip like? Listen, to stay in top peak physical condition the way I do, you got to hit the cardio, you got to hit the weights, you got to do a little bit of everything. Yeah, and 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 peak nutritional, of course, which is you. You, I mean, you of all people. Um, who <laughs> will brag about how you only ate at a gas station when you went to Dallas? You, you, that's how you maintain all those calories and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you, you got You can't just mess around here, you know. Some of us have gifted metabolism, <laughs> right, right? In their in their forties, but uh, thirty. Sorry, oh, hold on, thirty-seven. Now. I am not in my forties. <laughs> yeah, but you're quickly approaching. But do the ad read, Rich. <laughs> you're correct, but no, I, I, I uh, so I warmed to the gym. So if you if you've ever worn compression shorts, you will know that you know what, what they sort of feel like. These feel a lot like that, but they have a little bit more air, and that's something I talked about in the K and P show when John and I were talking about this. Is that you wear compression shorts and they just clinch? They're just you can't go anywhere, nothing, and that's good while you're playing sports. But sometimes you you kind of want some air in there, and and these these pair, I got the boxer briefs for what it's worth, and those they had a nice little air to them. Um, you know, from their, they've said that they, they reduce order, they have antimicrobial material, they got all this good stuff. And I've enjoyed the fit a lot. I mean, you barely tell that you're, you know, really wearing, you know, it's boxers can sometimes get a little too loose. And I'm not wearing compression shorts every day because that's a little too tight. But these are kind of a nice little in between or whatever, which is really cool. And and one thing that they do offer too at, at MacWeldon.com, which, by the way, I forgot to mention that if, you know, you want, if, if you're interested, if you're hearing us going, oh man, I really want some underwear, I want some sweatshirts, I want some socks, I want something, uh, they gave us, they were nice enough to give us a 20% off uh, promo code. So you use that code uh, VOW. When you make a purchase at MacWeldon.com and you get twenty percent off, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, and, and let what, me tell you, Rich, if, if, they, if <laughs> yeah. they use that code and they get their twenty percent off, and they don't like their underwear, that, that's impossible. what I was getting to. I mean, because these are going to be the most comfortable underwear these people are ever going to wear. But if they don't like their underwear, keep them, and MacWeldon will still give them their money back. They don't care How about that. Yeah, they said screw it, keep the stupid underwear. We don't even want it back, but here's your money back. That's not bad. Just don't, don't don't take advantage of it. But, you know, hey, if you don't like the underwear, you don't like the underwear. That's fine. But, no, I really enjoyed um, – it was easy to get on the website, easy to use all the codes that we've had. And I, I, I generally I, – I'm not even lying. I really do enjoy the underwear. I know you enjoy the sweatshirt as well. And, and we're happy that they were able to sort of take a chance on us and say, hey, look, you know, we like what you guys do. We like your audience. We like they, – they specifically – like, honestly, somebody at a corporate office listened to our show. Do you know that? When they told me that, I was like, oh, dear God. Like, they were like, they mentioned something specific that we said in the show, and I was like, oh, God. Like, like I don't know what episode they picked or whatever, but, like, they picked a random episode and said, let's listen to these guys and see if, like, they are good enough to represent our brand. And by golly, Joe, somehow they said we are. So uh, it, it amazes I me. You, I mean, we're a big-time, but we're a terrible show. I mean, we're, we're big-time, but we're listen, terrible. Rich, it's, you, you know. This is a big-time podcast. I've been trying to tell you like, that for years. I just, I, I. I hate it. I hate everything this, we do. We're just terrible. This, this but is it's... a big time podcast, <laughs> and this is big time underwear. Use the code VOW, yep. 20% off. The code is VOW. Get 20% off right now, MacWeldon.com. And let me tell you, Rich, I'm a man who, when I shop, 
I do man shopping. I know what I want, and I want to go get it. I don't like things being difficult. And on this website, everything's very easy to find. Yep. I was in. I was out. I had my sweatshirt. Nothing <laughs> left over for McCarran. You very quickly, you very quickly were able to spend your money, and then uh... I was in and out, and McCarran was left with nothing. And it only took me five minutes, Rich. I was <laughs> very easily able to find uh, exactly what I needed. The website couldn't be easier to use. It's man friendly. Go there right now. The code is VOW. V-O-W. Yep, MacWalden.com. All right, so that is the end of that. So, Dragon Gate, dead or alive? You ready? Dragon Gate. I'm ready, man. What do you think of the show? I loved it. I tell you. And I don't usually love Dread. I don't usually love Dead or Alive. I do not usually. I do. I do want to preface that, but go ahead. This show is getting rave reviews. I, I haven't. And what's funny about this show is this is the show every year where we tell people don't watch. <laughs> Don't lie. If you're a casual Dragon Gate fan, this is the show you want to stay away from. It's very storyline intensive. It's very gimmicky. Uh, and it's, it's, it's really not a show that I usually recommend to casual or first-time viewers. But, Rich, on our message board, on the Twitter machine, people have parachuted in to watch this show who haven't watched Dragon Gate in years, months, or even ever. And they're all saying that they loved this yeah. show. And and that what I is what I really find amazing about this one because this is usually a show where people will hand wave this fifty minute cage match ten minutes in because they have no idea what's going on. People are shooting tennis balls at each other. They're throwing rice. There's uh, robots. There's robots. robots. <laughs> There's all kinds of wacky things going on. You don't understand. But this year, this event, it held everyone's attention. And Rich, I'm going to tell you, uh, and I know you want to talk about this too. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna Lay up this softball for you and let you knock it out of the park, okay? I think a big reason that this event worked so well for casuals this year is because they had the delegate matches on the undercard. I think that was a tremendous idea and an idea that they should continue with in future years. What do you think about Bingo. that? Bingo, yeah, that, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, having that, and, and I think one of the important parts of that, too, is that there were all 10-minute time limits, so it was it, there was an error of, of these guys wanted to get in and get out. They wanted it as quickly as possible because, you know, as we mentioned, too, if people that don't know about the cage match is that when you lose this delegate match, then you also are in danger of either losing your hair or losing your mask or whatever. So these guys, they have a 10-minute time limit, so they don't mess around in these matches either. Like, you know, I've always made the complaint about, like, Survivor Series matches where sometimes, you know, a schoolboy will win a random Survivor, and it's like, well, why that? But in this case, it made sense because everybody was just going nuts because they were like, oh, God, I have 10 minutes to, to defend my crowd, to, to make sure I don't get in this cage match, that I'm not involved in this thing whatsoever. So it was awesome. You were getting these sprints. These just like really super quick sprints. They were like random matchups too. They were a lot of fun as well. But it was just more than anything, it was for somebody who, and I'll admit, I get behind on Dragon Gate a lot. It, it's, we, we talk about it all the time on the show. It's something that I forget for a few months and I try to parachute, as you said, parachute in and, and rewatch. I don't know what's going on. I'm reading iHeartDG trying to get, okay, who hates who now? What's going on? Who, who's turning? You know, it's hard to do that sometimes. With this show, I, I, I was able to really kind of get a grasp of everything that was going on and everything leading into that cage match because it was so easy to tell. You had, you know, you, the delegate selection, they made it obvious who this guy was. So it was KZ versus Mochizuki or whatever. This is for Cyber Kong's delegate. Then KZ wins. Okay. Makes sense now. Mochizuki is cyber. It was just like everything worked, whereas sometimes it's hard to tell in this cage match. Okay, who's with who? Who's with where? And where's he doing? What's, you know, what happens if this guy loses? What You knew everything. Like you had a self contained Dragon Gate show 
that you just don't get often. You just do not get that very often, especially with Dragon Gate, which is so story heavy, and especially with Dead or Alive, which like we mentioned, we have every year, I know this because it happens every single year, we have somebody review Dead or Alive, you know, this year it was Case Law, I believe last year it was as well, and someone will read that review and go, oh my god, Dead or Alive sounds awesome. You know, where can I watch or how can I watch? And we always, 100% of the time, say, no, 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 no. <laughs> do not watch it. You will never watch Dragon Gate again because you're going to get to that cage match. You might watch the undercard and go, I have no idea what's going on here. What the hell are we doing here? Why you know, Why is the robots, why is there tennis machines, why are there baseball bats? I get it. It makes no sense. This one, this year, and I think that's why it's so well-reviewed, is that you're saying the delegate selections, you knew every single guy. You knew who Shingo was with. You knew who Cyberkong was with. You knew who Yamato was with. And then you knew who their delegates were. And you knew, it's just... It was such a great, well-contained sort of event. And then those delegate matches were awesome, too. I love the idea that these guys have 10 minutes, and they're just fighting for their literal lives And in those 10 minutes. And there were some matches that were you know went super, super short. There was like Jimmy Susumu. I think he beat Hollywood Stalker, of course, in about a minute. But then you had an awesome one, the Shima and Gamma match, which I loved. I thought that was an incredible match. They went to a 10-minute time limit draw, and even then they were like clawing at each other and that right when the time limit happened they were like no there's no way no like please give us another few like few seconds i only need a few more seconds because like that was all it took it was like damn it those 10 minutes are up so quick i know uh yoshino and akira tozawa had a really awesome one too and tozawa didn't believe it like he kept trying to go for his, his uh, uh he kept trying to roll up yoshino even after he was pinned and it was like no 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 it can't be over i can't be a part of this match it's like these guys are just dying to get out of this match and it just made every single one of those delegate matches so much fun yeah, I mean, and of course, right when it's my time to talk, uh, Lexi decides <laughs> to go barking fit. Uh, so uh, Lexi needs to calm down here. But yeah, uh, y- you nailed it, man. I mean, the, the delegate matches were great for a casual viewer, and they were great for someone who, who pays attention to the company like us. Because, like you said, Tazawa, you know, when, when he lost his delegate match, the reason he was so... I mean, because that, that meant he was being represented by Katoka. Who the hell wants to be represented by Katoka? A guy that he's feuded with in the past year, or the past a few months, yeah. Yeah, and a guy who shit. So a guy who has a very good chance of losing in the cage, and then you end up losing your hair because that guy stinks. So there was a lot of that going on, too, because for the people who have no idea what we're talking about, basically, if you lost one of these delegate matches, that meant... Basically, winning the delegate match meant you were off the hook. You weren't involved in any of the stakes in the cage match. If you lost the delegate match, for example, KZ and uh, Masaki Mochizuki had a delegate match, and the loser would be the, the delegate of uh, Cyberkong, who was in the cage match. Uh, and then if Cyberkong loses the cage match, and he doesn't score a point in the cage match by scoring a fall, you would then lose your hair or your mask. So, you know, if you were in a delegate match with someone like where Katoka uh, was going to be your representative, you did not want to lose because Katoka stinks. So it was, it was it was very important to win under those circumstances, and, and the Yoshino-Tozawa match was a very important one for that reason. You mentioned Shima and Gamma. These had 10-minute time limits, and if you draw, you're not off the hook. If you draw, you're both in, you're, yeah. you, you both lose. That means you both lose, and then you're both represented. So uh, Shima and Gamma ended up having a 10-minute uh, uh, draw, and they were both involved in, in the cage match as uh, as the delegate of uh, Naruki Doi. So, so yeah, I thought... Because you've got six people in the cage, that meant you had six of these 10-minute time limit delegate matches, and it really gave the undercard some juice. It gave it sort of the old WCW Battle Bowl feel, I thought. Oh, absolutely, yeah. As you're watching the undercard, every match you're watching has stakes. 
you know? Everything matters. Yeah, you can't really take a match off. Like, you kind of have to pay attention at least a little bit to see what's going on. Yeah, and, and I mean, what would we have had if it weren't for these delegate matches on the show? We probably would have had a couple. Maybe you would have had a couple more title matches or, or, or something of that. But I'm sure you would have had a few meaningless trios matches, too, that nobody cared about. Instead, we got these really cool matches that help build to the main event later in the show. I thought it was a great idea. I'm really hoping they do it next year. Most people agree, but there were some people who didn't enjoy it. There's some people who, who didn't want the delegate matches on the show. I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I kind of wish one of us <laughs> went wrong. that way. So yeah, I know. Sorry. It, sorry, but, but no, but I loved we it. Both, we both <laughs> yeah. agree that, that this was a great way to go, and it was especially – look, I know for – look, it, it – not, it's not going to make any kind of business difference or anything like that. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I know for a fact that this show created some Dragon Gate fans. Absolutely. Because I've, I, I've, we I've, saw it. I've, we saw it with our own eyes. I mean, there were literally eyes. people on our Twitter and on our forum that said, I never watched Dragon Gate or I've watched it, you know, once in the past six years. Should I watch the show? And for the first year ever, we said, yeah. And then they came back with us, you know, you know, seven hours later, whenever the hell they finished this monstrosity of a, of a show and said, that was awesome. That's great. I can't wait to watch the next show. Like, oh, I'm in. I'm in on Dragon Gate or whatever. And they might, you know, maybe who knows if they'll stick with it. But we've seen that. We've literally had people say, I've not been a fan. Oh, wait, I watched this. Now I'm a fan. And understood the story. And understood the story. I mean, that is so hard to do. Like, I don't even understand some of the Dead or Alive cages. And I watch the thing all, all the time. Like, Because you know what? I'll tell you why, Rich. Because they all came out of this with the same theme. I can't wait to see Yamato get his hands on the Rupidoi yep. and Shingo. Some people can't wait for him to get his hands on Doi. People like me, I can't. I I hope he's the one to beat Shingo now. Yamato was so good yes. in this match with his mannerisms, his facial expressions, the post match stuff. Where I, you're, again, I don't understand a word of Japanese, but that man's facial expressions and the way he speaks and the way I mean, God, I mean, I was just enthralled. I couldn't turn it off. He talked for like twenty five minutes. Yeah. and I watched the whole thing. I could not. I, I did too. It's just so stupid. Like, why am I doing? Like, just go to iHeartDG and and see the translation. But I was, I, I was, I was hooked. Like, like you said, the thing, but, Rich, we didn't know the words, but we knew what was going on. Absolutely. And, and when I read the, the words idea. too, it was so much. And then it added even more impact because I was like, yes, okay, that's what I thought he was sort of trying to, to convey. And it's absolutely what he did convey. I mean, this is the translation of the post. We, we don't have to break down the entire match every single. I mean, just, just go watch it. It's <laughs> like nobody needs us breaking down a 45 minute match. Like it's craziness, but. Essentially, what Yamato said at the end. So we can maybe get we'll, we'll backtrack a little bit and talk about sort of a little bit of how this happened. But just basically give, here, yeah, key, just do it. You can do it real I'll quick. Give, yeah, you don't key, have to. I'll give the, I'll give the key spot, and then you can because it, it, the important backstory here is the key point in the match was Yamato on the verge of escaping, had a chance to leave, and his tag team partner, who we've talked about this team a million times on this show, the Yamato Doi team which may have been the best tag team in wrestling over, what, the last 18 months or so, Rich? Yeah, I don't think that's uh, wild to say at all. I mean, you know, that's not even very controversial. Um, you know, and Doi was in trouble, and Yamato, I mean, how good was he in that moment, with that moment where he was torn and he wasn't sure what to do, and, and, and of course, he made the save, and then Doi, who has betrayed everybody in his company <laughs> at some point... Just- but, but, but especially Somebody stop trusting. Just stop trusting Doi. And <laughs> yeah. it, it's like, and, and then later in the match, uh, Doi betrayed Yamato, hit him with the chair when he had a chance to, uh, you know, he uh, hits, I forget who the other guy was, but he, but he, he double crossed Yamato and hit him with the chair after Yamato saved him. And then, uh, and then of course, uh, Yamato went on to uh, nearly lose the match, but it ended up being uh, Kotoka in the end who ended up losing the match, but he did score a point. So Tozawa ended up not losing his hair, 
So that, that was a key there. So Katoka ended up getting his head shaved. We'll get into that in a minute. But that's to set up what you're about to say about what Yamato had to say. Yeah, and just a real quick point, too. Uh, BB Hulk made his return as well. Uh, he, he ran off and Shingo, the and then he led, you know, your helped Yamato escape as well. So uh, a bunch of little shakeups going on. Of course, Yamato is out of Berserk. Um, BB Hulk's back. So uh, a lot of cool stuff going on. But yeah, essentially, uh, the, the post-match was incredible. Like you said, Yamato, who's been uh, a bad guy for quite a few years now, uh, poured his heart out. Like, literally poured his heart out. This is what I heard, DG. Here's what their translation was was uh, Yamato was in tears. He apologized for how he had acted over the last three years. The whole almighty thing, all seeing, all knowing. He didn't see or know anything. He wasn't almighty. KZ corrected him. They have been together since the trainee days. He knows Yamato better than anyone. He is indeed the almighty. Yamato promised to devote the rest of his career to Dragon Gate, to raise the profile of the company, help the trainees, and make it fun for everybody. He had one last thing to say. Once again, wasn't he and Hulk and KZ and even Maria just the coolest? Then that's the new unit. Yep. So it's Yamato, the returning BB Hulk, KZ, Yusuke Santa Maria. Am I missing somebody? Uh, I believe that is it right now. I don't know. I know they had um, there, there's a, an event that just actually went on yesterday. I've not had a chance to watch it yet. I believe it's the King of Gate Cork and uh, the show. tournament. Yeah, I haven't been. So I don't know if anything. I'm kind of staying away from spoilers for that one. So unfortunately, if something big happened, sorry we missed it, but I, I don't think anything did. Well, uh, uh, um, uh, brother Yashi came back. He joined Berserk. Okay. I don't know if it was on that show or, or a different show, but, you know. Uh, I did see that gif. You're right. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So he repl- basically replaces Yamato and Berserk, uh, which is the key heel unit in the company. But uh, but as far as I know, that is the the, the unit, though. Yeah, y- Yamato, Hulk, KZ, and Maria, I believe. Since Maria so now, what is this set up? It basically sets up Yamato obviously needs to get revenge on Doi, and hopefully, um, hopefully he's the one that eventually goes after Shingo and uh, finishes him off for the title, too. But... Unfortunately, well, and in my opinion, unfortunately, I think it's BB Hulk who the returning yeah. go after. Yeah. I would prefer Yamato. I think Just because it's fresh, it's a little bit more fresh too. Uh, to be fair, the Hulk, the Hulk Shingo story is 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 the longer term story that they've been telling. I'm not going to deny that, but I think Yamato came out of this show so hot that if the plan was to go with Hulk, I think they should change their plans mm-hmm. because I think Yamato was so good here, and he comes out of this so hot, that, that that that's the direction I would go. I think he's the hot hand, and I think you ride the hot hand. I think Hulk coming back, is he's, he's, he's been gone for a while. You know, He's coming back uh, somewhat cold. He's got to get his momentum back. And I just think Yamato's better for the role anyway. I don't know how, what your take is. No, I agree. That, but... I agree. And, and I'm, I'm usually, I, I'm, a little, I'm always a little down on Baby Hulk, too. So any, any opportunity to, to put somebody else up in that spot is usually A-OK with me. I mean, I like Hulk. I, I don't hate him. But a guy like Yamato, I really love. And I think it, it, it just feels more fresh with him. And I think, like you said, after the show, he was the star. I mean, every single person that, that, talk, that we've discussed the show with, everybody goes, oh, wow, Yama- I can't wait for Yamato to blank. Whether it's defeat Shingo, get revenge over Doi. Nobody was talking about, oh, man, Hulk's back. I can't wait to see him do X, you know, everybody was saying, I can't wait for Yamato to do this. Or, or like, you know, even the buzz between you and I when we were talking about it, it was like, oh man, we're, we're talking Yamato here. That This is the guy that we're talking about. And it's just, you know, the guy that gets thrown out of the unit, the guy that was, you know, just betrayed, but still overcame the odds and still was able to win and get his last little breath in there to, that's the, that to me, that's the story. That really works a lot better than Hulk, who, like you said, it's, it's kind of just coming back. But like you said, the story is a little bit more for Hulk, but I, I don't know. I would, I would much prefer Yamato in that role and maybe, who knows? Who knows what they end up doing? But um, I, I really, I, Yamato was easily the story out of that show, and, and that's why I would sort of go with him, but, but who knows? How good, in hindsight now, um, was 
the Doi Yamato team coming together, then winning the titles, then running roughshod over everybody. I mean, some of their title defenses were were, were squashes for for all intent and purpose. They were squashes. Um, and then them losing the titles and the team breaking up. How well was that paced from beginning to end? That entire story. I mean, in hindsight, it was all just the timing of everything was just perfect. And for it to peak in this match, in the way that it did, I mean, I'll just keep going back to it. But that cha- when Yamato had that chance to leave, and he came back in to help do it, I mean, that is. Rich, that's what it's all about. Oh, yeah. That's pro wrestling storytelling right there. And they do such a good you know? job, too. Dragon Gate does such a good production job. I talk about it with New Japan all the time, too. But Dragon Gate does a fantastic job. I, mean, I think it's Gayora that does most of the, um, the, 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 the production side. But, like, their zooms, their, their, their camera shots, the way... Because you were able to get the emotion on both of those guys. I think the shot, I think I remember, is, is Doi's on the ground, and they're shooting up. And you could see Yamato at the top of the cage. And Yamato's, like, looking back and, and looking out and, like, looking back and looking out. And it's just like... Express. Yeah, it's perfect, and they just they stayed on that shot. They zoomed in on him, and you you see Yamato going like, ah, damn it! Like, what do I do? Like, yes, and in Dragon Gate, you really don't know how that's going to play out because they will shock you with things. Where you know, if that's a WWE moment, it might be predictable because the announcers might give it away. You know how you know, but it's like because they because they have to shove it down your throat when there's a big moment coming. You know, and they have to make sure that every six year old watching understands. When you're watching this, it's, it's like you, you know he can go either way with that. So he saves Doi. And then, of course, it's Dragon Gate. So the referee is probably being hugged by somebody <laughs> at, at one point. And Berserk gets into the cage later on. And they all turn on Yamato and they're beating He got knocked down, didn't he? I think the ref got knocked down by somebody. I forgot what. I'll have to look it up. Um, I'm almost positive he got hit or something. I, I don't know what the hell happened. but. And then Doi calls off the dogs and saves Yamato from this beating that hit that. that then that's when Doi betrays him and hits him with and hits him with the chair. It's just it all was perfect. Is why I always say this is the this is the best booked company. This is the best booked promotion in the world, and it has been for a number of years. And all of the people who follow it closely will tell you that. Rich, one of the main themes on wrestling Twitter, well, always, but especially over the last couple of weeks, is everyone complaining about the booking of something. Am I right or wrong? I mean, it's just oh, whether it's Ring of Honor, well, especially Ring of Honor. We'll get to that, yeah. We'll get to that in a little bit, but but it's just I mean, everyone loves the rail on these bookers. Guido was a whipping boy for a long time at the end of last year, and still is in a lot of circles. No one's happy with Ring of Honor. WWE, of course, their booking has been trashed for years. I mean, people just love to bang on booking. Even fans of these companies, Rich, does anyone ever bang on Dragon Gate's booking? Think about it. Never. I mean, even even the people who follow them, even the hardcores, yeah, the people that really follow everything are usually like, "Yep, nailed it!" Like, <laughs> guys, do it, did again, it, yeah. It, wrestling fans are the most cynical people. The, it, we're grumpy. We complain about everything. Dragon Gate booking, no one ever complains about it because it's always so good. It sucks you in. It grips you. It always makes sense. They always have something coming that you didn't see coming, and then you say, "How the hell didn't I see that coming?" But you didn't see it coming. Because, I mean, all of this that happened in this cage was pretty obvious. But why didn't we know it? You know what I mean? We didn't talk. We didn't. We, it's like watching it play out. You're going, oh, this all makes sense. And I'm stupid for not figuring it out. They have this way of doing the obvious 
but making you feel silly for not knowing that the obvious yeah, is coming. Yeah, I think that's yeah, absolutely true. And I think with this particular team as well, I mean, it was sort of, like you said, the timing of it was great too because this is a team that just dominated people for, for as you said, like 18 months, almost two years. They just dominated people. They had a little bit of slip-ups, but it wasn't like, you know, now when, when a team's going to break up in WWE, you know six months ahead of time. Like, they, you know, there's weird interference and, oh, they argue and it's like, oh, no, they're falling apart at the seams. Or, and you know what I mean? Like, we've seen that same story over and over and over again. And these guys, it just seemed like, hey, they went through a little bit of a rough patch, but they'll get right back on it. But no, Doi was like, no, fuck you. You're done. Like, you're the reason we lost. Go fuck yourself. Get out of here. Like... And we knew Berserk had some problems coming into this match, and we knew something was up. But that was kind of the red herring, though, is because it seemed like that entire unit was going to fall apart. And yes. the red herring was Doi going, nah, this fucker's the reason. Let's get him out of here because he's Doi and, and he's an and asshole. And Doi, a typical <laughs> right. Doi fashion, right. blamed him for losing the tag titles. Right. And, and Doi, let me tell you, what a prick. That, I mean, this guy's a he's a tremendous heel. I mean, Doi has his flaws, okay? He's not a great singles wrestler. He didn't have a great uh, Dreamgate run a couple of years ago. But let me tell you something about the rookie Dory. He is one hell of a tag team wrestler. And he is a tremendous, tremendous asshole heel that you just you do not want to like. I wish I knew Japanese so much. His promos seem like they're so awesome. And I just He's love to hear him because he just sits there. Oh, no, 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 no. He's with this, like, just look incredible his voice. And you're like, fuck. You just know he's an asshole. You just hear him. He's I don't so know what he's him. saying, but you're like, fuck you. <laughs> you want to choke him. Right. I mean, he's just, you just want to choke the guy. You know, and Shingo now, I mean, this is the best champion in wrestling, in my opinion. And there's some good champions in wrestling right now, whether it's uh, Tetsuya Naito or Roman Reigns coming around or whoever you want to talk about as being a great champion in wrestling right now. Um, uh, Jay Lethal is getting a little long in the tooth, but he had a nice little run. This guy's the best champion. Shingo has found his calling. And, you know, I thought you were crazy at the end of last year when you when you said he should be considered for most improved. Because I was like, this guy's been great for a long time. But now I kind of – it's more clear where you were mm-hmm. coming from, okay? Because he's finally found his, his lane, his niche. This guy, Shingo, as like this gym class bully, right? Because that's the best way I could describe him. He's like that asshole jock in gym class who took like gym class volleyball way too seriously. And we all know who that guy was in high school. Okay, you're everyone listening is thinking of that guy right now. And if you don't Uh-oh. know who he is, he's probably me. you. <laughs> it was, he was it might be me. You. Uh-oh. Okay. Rich was I was in advance. I was in advance. We had a we had a, a a gym class. It was called Advanced Team Sports. It was for it was for all those people because I think they recognized that like there was like a group of like 30 or 40 guys that just like took everything way too serious. So they made a class called Advanced Gym Class. And essentially we just had like micro tournaments all throughout the year. Like every like in the in the spring we play softball, in the winter we'd play basketball, then we played flag football. It was like all these micro tournaments that were all like stats, like and this is we were we it was my favorite class ever. It was the so advanced Shingo, Shingo gym class, rich. yeah. Shingo was rich. Uh but I wasn't good though. That's the problem. Rich was spiking volleyballs <laughs> in girls' faces in gym class. And then, and hey, then no, no there was only two girls in advanced gym class and they just walked around because they you were a gym <laughs> class bro. You could admit it now, it was <laughs> ten years ago. But that's what Shingo is. He's a gym class bully. He's the guy in high school who you see him coming the opposite way in the hall, and you're like, oh, God, he's going to do something to somebody. And he just body checks someone into the lockers. (laughs) And then he high fives his buddy, and then they just laugh and cackle, and, you know, they stroll into algebra six minutes late. And even the teacher is scared to say something. That's what Shingo is. He's that guy. And he's so perfect in that role. And it's like when he loses, he blames leg day. I will never stop That's talking the best about thing that because yeah. it was the greatest thing I've ever seen. He lost that match, and he blamed it on leg day. That is what the gym class bully does. He's really found his role. This is, what he should, this is where he has always belonged. He's such a dick. 
Doi is a dick in a completely different way, and these guys are just two of the hottest heels going right now. In my Absolutely, opinion. and I think one of the cool things too is that you saw, and this is what I really liked about this is that you saw the Berserk, you saw them sort of breaking down in this thing where it was like, all right, they're done, like there's no way they're going to get back together. And I think Shingo comes out a lot stronger as a leader of this or of this, you know unit now because they went through all this crap, but then they sort of figured it out. Doi said, okay, here, here, you know, Doi has this little underling said, no, here, I know what's going to solve our problems. We got to get rid of this guy, and then they get rid of that guy, and now they're sort of back to full power again and it, it, that is kind of cool because i was sort of thinking as this this um match was developing and, and seeing the issues with berserk i'm like oh man they're already done with this jingo thing like now he's going to kind of be floating in nowhere or whatever or berserk are they going to be done is he going to be the leader anymore like even if he has the championship if this unit disbands but nothing i mean that now they look even stronger and shingo in my mind looks even better afterwards as well because he was able to get this unit back from the, the ground you know he said okay guys let's, let's rally and you, you know as i said the, the doi as like the shit stirring underling of being like you know no 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 here's the problem because <laughs> you know shingo loves an excuse like you're saying he, he's more than willing to listen to an excuse and doi is saying no, no no i know the problem it's that yamato guy let's get him out of here and then we're fine and shingo going yeah fuck it let's do it and, and them doing it is, is is awesome it's just it, it's it's really cool and when they hit on dragon gate like we always say they man they hit and this this show was that i mean it was it was awesome show top to bottom do you want to talk about a few of the other matches that happened yeah let's go through the whole card real quick okay yep uh, let me find the opener. Okay. This is Rich's way of saying, Joe, I want you to read this because I'm going to screw up half the names. Yeah, I'm going to screw up at least two of the names. But Let's hear you screw them up. You go. Go for it. Read All right. that opener, Rich. All right. You got L. Lindemann, who got the pinfall over UT. Oh, no. I'm letting you off the hook <laughs> with that. This was a six-man encounter. Yeah, it's Kaido Ishida. Uh, Takahiro Yamamura uh, defeated Genki Horiguchi, Jimmy K. Ness, and UT. See? Yeah. You got it. Yeah, now, you I know those guys. Very impressed with Ashita and Yamamura. Yeah, they're they're great, and and I think you talked them up a few months ago a little bit, and I saw some stuff, and I really liked them. Uh, they're good. They're really really good these for this level rookies, as well. Man. Like You're they. The I had because I was sort of like, are these the rookies that like? Because you can kind of tell they are, but they move so smoothly in the ring, and they had such a presence too. I think that was the the thing as well. The crowd was reacting to them. They knew how to react to the crowd. They knew how to get involved. I mean, they were like two of. And we talk how many guys were in here. So you have you have one, two, so six guys in here. I'll be honest, they were right up there with every single guy on this match. Like they might have been the two best guys in this match. I mean, they just had such a presence. And I think uh is it Ashida? I think it's Ashida that I ended up um really coming away with. Yeah, it was Ashida that I really came away with going, Oh wow, this guy's got something. They they both really do. They're they're incredible rookies for their age and, like, and level. I, I feel like they're gonna have good size when they fill out. Well, you the know, one I, of them here, well, they're both born in nineteen ninety five, for God's sake. Oh God, is that Jesus. terrifying? 1995. Yeah, that's good lord. They don't have any. They don't have vivid memories of the 90s. (laughs) Oh, they really don't. You know, like they they don't remember the 90s at all. That's horrifying. Yeah, no, uh, Yamamura especially. He looks like a guy. He's even got a little bit more of a figure right now, uh, where you can tell that that guy in a few years is really going to get big. Uh, She, I don't know. He's kind of. I guess he's kind of. He's all right too. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right though. They they both have a little bit of a a, a bulk. I mean, once they get a little like bulkier, like you look at UT and, and he's just you know he's going to be a tiny you know he's a tiny yeah. Guy. These guys don't give that idea. These guys look like they're just like seventeen year olds that just need to eat some food and get their metabolism right, up a right. little bit. Yeah. Whereas UT, he's just a little guy. You know, he's a little dude. You know, but uh, but yeah, these guys got a ton of upward potential. Look, you know, you, you, if you come out of that Dragon Gate dojo, you're going to be you know they, they just pump them out, man. At worst, you're going to be good in that style. And uh, at best, you're going to be world class. 
So yeah, these guys have a ton of uh, ton of potential. Lindemann just keep look. I don't. It, it's like everyone knows that guy's good. Um, it's kind of like there's just nothing for him to do at the moment, really. Uh, you know, as far as uh, moving way up the card yet, and that's okay. They got plenty of time with him. I do think he needs to go under another name. I hate the name El Lindemann. I can't stand it. That's pretty bad. I, I didn't. I didn't like it when he changed it, and I don't like it now. And I, it, 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 I just don't like it. Um, Genki Horiguchi has been doing that rubber band spot for it's got to be going on three years now. And I got to tell you, Rich, I never get tired. Of it. Like every time they pull that rubber band back and it's going to snap into dudes. For people who don't know what we're talking about. They, well, because it looks like it actually does hurt. I'm sure it does. How can it not? I mean, it has to hurt a lot. They've got this enormous rubber band and they hang the guy over the second rope and over the apron. And then Horiguchi holds the dude. And then, like, his partner will take the other end of the rubber band and literally walk across the arena with it. <laughs> it gets arena. more ridiculous every time, too. Like, sometimes they're, they're, like, a mile away or something. It's just ridiculous. A quarter mile away in the <laughs> arena. And Genki holds the other end on the opponent's face. And then they let go of this rubber band, and it snaps in the man's face. How, do, how has someone not lost an eye? I don't know. I don't know. You know, and, and, and I pop for it every time. I giggle like a child every time <laughs> they do this spot. And it's and they it's they've been doing it for three years. It's just I never get tired of it. Um but yeah, this was a your standard six minute high energy, high action, even by Dragon Gate standards. Yeah, this is uh this is one where you're you have to put eye drops in when you're done because you won't blink. Like it's just six minutes nonstop action. But hey, that's and UT is just, I mean, you want to talk about the bottom guy on the roster. I mean, they just, he's, yeah. what's going on? You know, he's just, he's just lost his way. But, again, a young guy, a young wrestler, um, plenty of time. I think he's 93, himself. if I'm correct. I don't know what the age oh, would be. but yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. He's ancient. <laughs> he was practically born in the 80s. Um, yeah, so it, it's, he's, you know, this is a very competitive roster, though. So, a lot of hardcore fans are worried about him. Well, yeah, because, I mean, you talk about, uh, again, you look in this match alone, you got these two, you know, 21-year-olds that already look like they're better. Than, you know what I mean? Like, they're already lapping you, you know, in a sense. Like, they look really good. And Lindemann, I think he's, uh, if I remember correctly, he's only 21 yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you look at UT and it's like, ah, man, like, you get lapped here talk, real quick. Yeah, it's, We talked about this a year ago. I mean, Dragon Gate, uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, I guess, they really replenished the roster with a bunch of young talent. And we talked about it. We talked about how, you know, uh, a couple of the generations were starting to push 40. And it's amazing how good some of these guys still are as they age. I mean, they just, these guys don't slow down. I mean, it's crazy. But they brought in all these new, uh, these younger guys. And, and it's kind of like we're in that period of their history now where you've got the, these older generations. They're not slowing down. We've got these young guys coming up. And some people are going to get squeezed out. Not everybody makes it, which is kind of a teaser for something we're going to talk about later in the show. Absolutely. All right. Uh, other matches uh, open the Brave Gate Championship as Yusuke Santa Maria defeating Monday Ryu in what I believe is the best Monday Ryu match I've ever seen. What do you say? Oh, easily. I mean, like, not even close, right? I, I'm surprised. I, I wasn't sure if you liked this or not. I did. Because I love this match. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, 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 actually, I actually wasn't sure if it was Monday Ryu. I had to re- I had to double check if there wasn't, like, somebody else under the hood. Of, but, yeah, it was... This was my favorite match on the undercard. Even out of the Del- I mean, I, I liked it that much. And I'll tell you, because Mondai Ryu worked within himself in this match. It was This was such an anti-Dragon Gate match. I felt like I was watching um, a, a, a house show territory match in the 80s, where, the, where Mondai Ryu is just this grimy territory heel, this grimy yeah. undercard territory heel. And he worked like that. 
He was dirty. He was grimy. He used dirty tricks. And he just beat down uh, uh, Yasuke Santa Maria, you know, for the first five to eight minutes of the matches or whatever it was. A very long heat segment. And then Maria just with the fiery comeback. And then the closing stretch of this match was just great stuff. This match was perfect. And the crowd loves her. The crowd is all about her as well right now. Yes. Too. And that, that really adds to it as well. They're really, really behind her. Because they've done a good job with this little yeah. push here. You know, Flamita leaves the company. Remember, he just put through the tie. He got annoyed at some. I, I think he got annoyed at his unit for not backing him up or something. I don't remember the story. But remember, he just left the title behind and walked out of the company. He walked out of the arena and he walked out of the company. And he might be coming back, but he walked right <laughs> out of the company. And ever since, the Brave Gate has kind of been, you know, uh, Tazawa had that great run. Where he said, remember he said, I'm going to make this the best title. I love when guys do that. Where they say, whatever title they have is the most important title ever. I'm going to make it the best title in the world. And again, great Dragon Gate storytelling. Because Tazawa is in the midst of this great Brave Gate run. He says he's going to hold the title forever. He's the happiest guy in the world. And then he has the fluke loss to Kotoka of all people. Who sucks. And it's like this fluke loss and Tazawa can't even believe it. And then Kadoka's having this joke reign with the title. Everyone knows he stinks. And finally, he's upended uh, by Yasuke Santa Maria. Just great storytelling. And then, uh, you know, uh, Maria's getting bullied here the entire match. And at the end, and I just thought this was a well-constructed wrestling match and a match between the two former Super Shenlongs that really could have easily fallen apart. This match could have fallen apart. It could have easily not been good. And and it ended up being my favorite match on the undercard. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong in that. Uh, we mentioned the delegates. I don't know if we necessarily need to break down every single one of the delegates because I kind of no. wanted to get to the uh, the Twin Gate, which I really liked as well. It was T-Hawk and Big R Shimizu. Uh, and, I, and I'm very much team Big R Shimizu here. Uh, they won, defended their uh, titles against Dragon Kid and Ata. What did you think of this match? I loved it. I thought it was an excellent match. T-Hawk and Shimizu is awesome. That's a great team. What a great team, I love that team. And I think this is, you know, T-Hawk's a guy who I have not been as high on as some other He had it. He was there, remember? Remember that? He was right there, and then then it kind of all plummeted. The the bottom fell out, yeah. I'm like, I don't know, man. This guy, you know, he's still got some growing to do. What was that awful Kobe world? Was that last year or was that two years ago now? Well, I, he had that. He had a, a couple disappointing uh, Dreamgate matches that I just, some, you know, I just I couldn't get into him. And and he had the very disappointing one. I forgot what it was. Was it Kobe World? I'll have to look it up to be sure. But I, I know it may have been. But I. But this team is the best thing to happen to him too. Oh, it was, it was last Kobe World. I'm looking at uh, Case's review here. Yeah, Kobe World 2015. Yep. Yeah, and that was uh, uh, what match was that? That was uh, T Hawk challenging. Um, who was the champion at that time? I think was it Yoshino at that point? Yeah, it was Yoshino at that point. And because I remember, you know, they were like, they're giving him the perfect because Yoshino beat Hulk. Oh, this was, I, oh, I remember this one now. Okay, I forgot. This is the one that Case thought was awesome and was like, oh, T-Hawk's great. And everybody else was like, ah, T-Hawk sucks. Yeah, that's what I mean. It was like the weirdest yeah, was, match ever. Like half the people were like, this is great. T-Hawk's a man. And like everybody else was like, T-Hawk sucks. Like it was just like a. And, and T-Hawk had another Dreamgate challenge, I think, about six months earlier that everyone loved and I didn't really like that much. So I didn't, I, I, I haven't liked any of his big matches, but, um. You know, I think this team has been good for it. And remember, it was Allen who pointed out to us, Hulk, I think Hulk was the champion at that time, and he lost to Yoshino kind of out of nowhere. And Allen made the good point that they didn't trust Hulk to have, because this was an important match for T-Hawk, and they just didn't trust Hulk to have a good match with him at the big stage. And who do you trust more on the roster than Yoshino? 
in a spot like that. So that's why Yoshino had that title to begin with, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, look that up. I think Yoshino beat Hulk. Yeah, so let's see. I'm, I'm trying to look at the other... Uh, so both of the T-Hawk the Dreamgate matches were both against Yoshino. It was Yoshino in 2013 was one as well. It was like November 2013. Yeah. But yeah, let me uh, let me look at who... Uh, Wow, the history time flies. Of, yeah, it really does. Like 2013. Yeah. Holy shit. And that's what I mean about T-Hawk while you're looking that up. They, you know, this is not a new they've been pushing this guy as 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 the new thing since 2013. So it's it's not like this is a guy that they've been pushing for. They've been trying to push this guy for a long time now. And I wouldn't call him a failure, but he's coming along slower than I think people. And, and you were on the money. So BB Hulk, he had it. Uh, he won it in uh, July of 2014 at, at a Kobe World show, and then he dropped it in uh, June of 2015, almost a whole year later, to Yoshino. But Yoshino only had it for 63 days before uh, Shingo beat him. For Alan it, so. is absolutely right. The only reason Yoshino won that. Did Yoshino have any other? Okay, so he had a few. Okay, he's no, he, he on one defense, right? So Alan nailed it. Yeah, he he's, so he beat it. Right. Yeah, he beat him at uh, Champion Gate. Um, then he defended uh, against T Hawk, and then he lost at Dangerous Gate in August uh, to Shingo. So yeah, he had one defense. Yep, and it, it, you know Alan nailed that. I mean, that the only reason he won that was to ensure a better match for T Hawk on a big stage. Because Hulk you know, Hulk is always risky in that regard. Oh yeah, Jimmy Susumo. Completely uh, forgot that happened. <laughs> I'm looking at the history here. Going, Jimmy Susumo, oh yeah, that did happen. Like what, a few the, months the ago. Yeah, I, I just completely like I looked at it and I was like, Jimmy Susumo, what? Oh yeah. <laughs> like, but I tell you what, that was it worked. Important. It worked, yeah. That was important for the story because it, it kinda it it, it it put Shingo in his place for a minute. You know what I mean? And and it was very important. Yeah, the jock had to be sort of at one time he had to lose just so he could get back on track. You know, you know, he had you to... know who Susumu is? If 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 Shingo's the jock, you know who Susumu is? He's the unassuming he's also a senior, okay? At the, in the high school. And he's like a he's like the quiet, unassuming baseball star who, you know, he has his scholarship, but he's not a dick. He dates he's been dating the same girl since freshman year. You know what I mean? And they're saving it until they get married. Like, he's that guy. And, and, and he's like, the guy. Like, you're under disdain for that guy. <laughs> what a no, weirdo. No, 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 listen. So he's that guy, and, and everyone kind of admires him. You know what I mean? All the girls think he's just the coolest. All the guys think he's just the coolest. And he's had enough of the bully picking on people. And, you know, he just steps up to him one day and, you know. Because he knows he can he beat him, too, but he just never wanted to before because he never yes. wanted to bring attention to it. But he's like, ah. Yeah, and, and and the bully knows it too, you know, and that, so that's what that title switch was. That was the the, the 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 quiet, unassuming senior, you know, the true alpha male of the school, but the one who doesn't have to tell you he's the alpha male. That guy putting the fake alpha male in his place. Okay, that's what that was. That was important to the story there. But yeah, so anyway, this twin gate match. I, I, I you're a production guy, and I want to know if you noticed the moment that I noticed. When Dragon Kid got thrown into Big R's shot put slam and the camera was so perfectly placed behind Big R where you didn't see it coming. All you saw was Dragon Kid coming at hmm. you, the viewer. I don't know if I noticed that. He, and then he ended up in Big R's giant mitt. And then, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that shot. That I'll have to go back and look at that. No, I don't remember that. That, that that. I know. I remember the spot, but I don't remember the actual shot. So no, I'll have to go back and look you, at that. You'll appreciate that that the, the shot that they got on that because that was the director being. He was either a, a total fluke and dumb luck, but I can't <laughs> believe that because it was such a big spot in the match. I have to. I feel like the director was completely in tune with what was coming because that was such an important spot. And there were so many great spots down the stretch of guys escaping each other's big moves. And the champions, T-Hawk and Shimizu, retain. Big R eventually did hit the shot put slam, and they did win the match. And the shot put slam, 
That's one hell of a move. I mean, it's just so Oh, it looks great, too. It looks so awesome, too, especially with him just kind of tossing these little guys around, too. It just, yeah, it's such a great move for him. How about Aita, like, reversing it and then locking in his finish? Yeah, I mean, that, whole that thing, match was great. I mean, yeah, and it, it wasn't too long, either, which sometimes, and that was sort of my worry, and this is my worry a lot of times with, we talk about this every time with the big Dragon Gate shows, we love a lot of the undercut stuff because it's kind of quick-paced, it goes through, but then you get your big title matches, you get your Triangle Gate match that lasts 45 minutes, you get your Twin Gate match that just seems like it goes on forever and ever and ever, and this was nice and compact, I think it was like 16 minutes, and it was like, they, they did just enough to kind of get, you know, they built it up, they built it up, built it up, and then they had their hot stretch, and they were done, and that was it was it was good that they were able to sort of, in those confines of only having, you know, under 20 minutes to do it, I think that really, really helped this match as well, because sometimes, and especially in this case, where you have all those really quick delegate matches this could have been one that they gave a ton of time to and it didn't need that it only needed the 16 or 17 minutes it got that's all it really should have had and it was perfect yeah perfect and if you want to keep this high school theme going shima and gamma you know what they are they're like the two class clowns that like everybody's friends with and everyone thinks are you know are are, are funny guys and they you know they graduate they're best they've been best friends since kindergarten they graduate together they were the class clowns in high school (laughs) They're still friends. They're, it's now 20 years later, okay? They're, they're in their early 40s. They're married. Their wives are friends. Their kids are friends. They're still friends. They work at the same job together. They live in the same town still, <laughs> and, and, and they're going to be in that town until the day they die. And they just sit and, on the and, deck and drink like Keystone Light all day and are all and, weekend. And, just, yeah. and, and always smiling and joking, and they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they're besties forever. They're BFFs, and it's been that way since they were six. And the only thing that's going to separate those dudes is that that's who they are. And every town has a pair of those, too, of, uh, you know, uh, of, of the town goofballs who, you know, they, they're, just, they're just friends. And they're the only ones that stay in town, too. Like, you know, they, they just, <laughs> Everybody else has left, yeah. <laughs> everyone else leaves. They stay behind. They work at, like, the local mill together. The mill. Uh, it's, always a, <laughs> the it's, mill. A blue, it's always a blue-collar job. It's always a blue-collar job. It's never – they're never executives. Yeah, they're not like accountants in, 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 in at, at a no. – yeah, they're not accountants. They have to be like, yeah. No, they either work at the mill or, you know – Whatever they, area they, factory is in the area. Yeah, like <laughs> – Whatever the – The sheet whatever, metal, the sheet metal factory that's in town or something, yeah. Whatever industry that town specializes <laughs> in. Like if they live in Pittsburgh, they're in the steel business. You know what I mean? Like whatever, whatever it is, they're in a – or if it's the 1800s, it's a coal mine. Okay, whatever it is. That's what they do. The Chrysler together. factory. There's like a Chrysler Motor factory that they all work at. So. If it's pre '90s Detroit, you're absolutely right. They're, working <laughs> in a, they're, they're on the assembly line, putting tires on cars together, and goofing off and high five. And that's who they are. And and you know, Dragon Gate's like high school, man. It really is. I mean, <laughs> there's a there's a lot to be written about that. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure it has, and, and and will as well. Yeah, Dragon Gate is a perfect analogy for high school. So glad you did that. Uh, anything else on the cage match uh, before we move on from Dragon Gate? No, I mean, uh, this is, again, I, I wouldn't have recommended this but to casuals, but I was wrong. This is one that does work. So if you're listening to this and you're like, you know, because, and you're like, why are they leading off a of Dragon Gate, but you, you're suffering why. through this because you're not a listener, give this a shot. I mean, you will be intimidated by the 45-minute match time or whatever it is, 50 minutes. How about Katoka after the match trying to run away to avoid his head shaving? <laughs> And then he gets blocked on the stage by all, like, the baby faces. And then he gets blocked by, like, his own berserk members on the way back. Like, and then they just corral him. I forget who it was, but someone just corralled him and said, no, motherfucker, you're getting your head shaved. And then, uh, you know, they took care of business with that. So well, he, got, he got a rocket punch from Karate Robot Masa RX. That's what it was. Yeah. Yes, the robot punch. Which is the greatest. Face. Again, this is this is what makes Dragon Gate Dragon Gate. Here is the iHeartDG translation for uh, the... the uh, right before the cage, they had all the delegates come out and they sort of t- 
you know, if you watch Dragon Gate, they, they kind of go out there. They'll speak a little bit. They'll talk about themselves. So this is all the uh, participants and the delegates all had a chance to speak. So here is iHeartDG's uh, translation here. Each participant and delegate had a chance to speak before intermission. Mochizuki once again underwent experimental body modification to turn him into Karate Robot Masa. Kong made some improvements and created the upgraded Super Karate Robot Masa RX version. The RX model responds to voice commands and extra rocket punch functionality. Yes. And it's not out of place. And it's not, it works. It, it makes does, sense. Uh, Cyber Kong is supposed to be like a robot, too. Yes. Like, that's his gimmick. He's like, well, he's Cyber Kong. His name, I mean, his name is, is Cyber Kong, yes. Uh, so, so, and they've done this gimmick with Mochizuki before, but now it's a super modified Korean mm-hmm. robot. And he responds to voice commands, and they even showed the you that. The reason it works is because Mochizuki is like the serious, grumpy dad of the roster who never takes part in the shenanigans. So it's like he's always the guy who's rolling his eyes at this bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, that's his character. He's just, I want to go in there. He's the principal kick- of the high school. <laughs> he's the <laughs> principal. Bingo. Bingo. That's exactly like, what he is. God. <laughs> yes. He smokes, like, nonstop. He's just like, God. <laughs> he shuts the blinds. Yeah. That's exactly what he is. He's the fucking principal of the high school. And he just, and, and so when they do wacky things like this with him, it just gets oversold. So this is like a spirit week or something like that. And he finally like, you know, wears uh, a weird wig or something. You know what I mean? Like it like, puts on the cheerleader. uniform. Yeah, exactly. Just to show, Hey, I'm one of the cool ones. Hey, look, look, but it's, I can it, be goofy too. Right. You it know? just works. But, yeah, it's, yeah. Works so well. All right, uh, that is it for Dragon Gate. Now we got a little ways we can go. I know you're 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 chomping at the bits to talk about these WWE cuts. So you want to do that? Uh, yeah, I think uh, WWE. I think that's fair for people who didn't want to listen to Dragon Gate. Let's get into the WWE stuff. Right. Everybody so, likes that stuff. Absolutely. So uh, Friday, there was a little bit of a Black Friday on May 6th. This last Friday, you had um, a bunch of different cuts. I'll run down the names here real quick. Damian Sandow, King slash Wade Barrett, Santino Morello, which was a, huh? <laughs> Santino Morello still getting a check? Uh, moment. Cameron, uh, Hornswoggle, Alex Riley, El Torito, and Zeb Coulter. Uh, otherwise, other ones that weren't announced at the time, but then were eventually released from their contract was uh, Steve Lombardi, of course, the Brooklyn Brawler, and Christian, who was sort of a formality at that point. And then I don't know if there's ever been an official word or something yet, but Lillian Garcia appears to be uh, gone as well. So those are cuts, but I think we're going to focus mostly on the wrestlers and not on the Brooklyn Brawler, unless you really wanted to. But let's we can give pithy thoughts on all of them. Okay, let's go. Let's go down the line. We'll do the. I mean, okay, very quickly, Brooklyn Brawler. He, you know, in a sense, it's kind of surprising because you kind of felt like at this point that was a lifer. Was yeah, a lifer. I was thirty and, years, you know, thirty plus years. Yeah, and and we all know that by all accounts he does nothing. Okay, we get it. Oh, that's but, not true. He's a talking head on all those documentaries where he's like, yeah, global. <laughs> like he just talks about shit that you know he has no clue, and they just like give him a no a talking point on. He's like, oh yeah, that WCW. They didn't know how to uh, push the young guys. <laughs> like, all right, thanks Brooklyn. Like, thanks Steve. All right, that's, like that's an that's an excellent uh yeah. you know a breakdown of what he does on this <laughs> between him talking head and the miz i love the miz talking about like like global it's like yeah, yeah they tried to make like tv wrestling and it didn't work like oh okay miss like thanks buddy it, you're right. <laughs> like what do you fucking know <laughs> like you nailed two of the three stooges it's steve lombardi <laughs> it's the miz and it's cody rhodes talking about stuff <laughs> cody before rhodes. he was born it's like what the hell does cody rhodes know about world class he was, he was <laughs> right. cody you were negative eight years old. You have no idea what you're talking about. You, you know, d- don't sit here and break down the Freebirds Von Eric feud, okay? You don't know what the fuck you're talking about, okay? It's a, it's, it's you know, but yeah, but that's what Brooklyn Brawler was one of those guys, and uh, you know, he, it's, it's by all accounts, but you felt like he look. 
Vince McMahon's father had lifers, and Vince McMahon honored those lifers. Uh, you know, whether it was uh, you know Fred Blassie, Fabulous Moolah, I, I forget the complete list, but there were people who his father told him, I always want these people employed, take care of them. There were behind-the-scenes people, and Vince always took care of those people. And Vince is the kind of guy who, who will take care of you for life, and I thought this was one of those yeah. lifer types. I really did, even though the guy probably – was doing nothing more than fetching coffee and, 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 and not doing anything entirely productive. But in the world of being a publicly traded company, you know, this guy was probably an excessive $70,000 a year salary or whatever the hell they were paying him to do nothing and putting him in hotels every WrestleMania weekend. And it's just money you don't need to spend. Holy I mean, shit. How, how old do you think Brooklyn Brawler is? Well, uh, pushing 60. At 55? I thought he was way older than that. I guess he doesn't think, look it. Like, he doesn't look it at all. a little older than that. But 55 seems super young for him. He, might, he must have been in his very early 20s because he, you know, 84, he was with the company, right? Or yeah, it says right. So I'm looking at his Wikipedia right now. Uh, Lombardi began his WWF career in late 1983, compared, uh, competing yeah. under his real name. So Yeah, so he must have been a kid. I mean, do the math. He had to be 19, 20 years old, right? Let's or, see, or, no, 19, 20, yeah, 19, 30 years ago, so he had to be, well, a little young. He was 22, he was 22. 22, yeah. so, um, you know, so yeah, I mean, I know, uh, they, they, the jobbers would start young then, I think, um, uh, was Jose Luis Rivera, no, one of the Hispanic guys started when he was 17 or 18, too, back then. Mm-hmm. Those, uh, uh, Horowitz, I know, started really super young, too, because I think he's roughly the same age, if I remember correctly. As, he was so. he was a territory guy, too, though. He bounced around a little bit before. Yeah, let's uh, see. Uh, yeah, Barry Horowitz is only 56. So, and Oh, man, he started, yeah, 1979. Yeah, and he was a territory Jeez. guy. Before, yeah, with yeah. the Malinkos. Yeah, he was in Florida. Wow. Yeah, he was a Florida guy, and, and, and yeah, they, you know, they'd start when they were teens back then, man. And they were on the road, you know, at, at very young ages. But, yeah, so Brooklyn Brawl. <laughs> here's, here's another guy. How old do you think Reno Riggins is right now? Isn't he dead? No. Is he? No, he's not. He's alive. No, he's alive. He's alive. Who am I thinking of? Neil Hargrove is alive. I I don't know. Reno Riggins, he's got to be in his 50s. 49. What? (laughs) I know. He's in his 40s? I don't That's mind-blowing. I can't even handle that. Yeah, so... Let's see. Yeah. Debuted in 1988. So, you know, 1988, 1967. Yeah, he was 21 when he debuted. Christ. Man, I would have thought he was in his 50s for sure. Um, there you it's go. Brady Boone that's dead, of course. Oh, okay. Daniel Riggins, you know, another guy from that era. Um, so, yeah, but Lombardi, yeah. I mean, I thought he'd be a lifer. So that, one's, was, that one actually was more surprising than a lot of these other mm-hmm. ones, to be completely honest with you, because I expected most of these other ones. Christian, his contract just ran out. He'll still do things with the company, um, but his performer so, contract is done. We knew that he hasn't wrestled yeah. since 2014, so that was, was that was no surprise, right? Lillian Garcia, they're grooming about 19 different female ring announcers, so she had to see that one coming. Mm. Um, she's got, she's like 50. She's almost as old as Lombardi. <laughs> let's find out. Let's look here if they list her age. <laughs> let's see. Uh, uh, let's see. Yeah, I think she's. I think she's 50. Okay, let's see. I think you might be right, but let's let's find That's out here. Not 50 year old, but I think she's 50. That never did much for me, but. Uh, for 50? 49 years old. She is the same age as Reno Riggins. Yeah, I, I, she's she's five years younger than Lombardi. <laughs> Think about that. He he was wrestling in that company in the Bob Backlund era, and they're pretty much in the same generation. Like, they went, the, they almost went to high school together. Like, think about it. It's pretty crazy, right? 
like he was wrestling in WWE when Kurt Henning was a jobber, like young boy. Right. Yeah. And he's already like ri- the rise, the fall, the rise, and then the death of Kurt Henning has all happened in that period. <laughs> and I'm not, and I'm not letting you off the hook. You are really underselling. That is a 50 year old woman. Look at her. Yeah. She's I mean, rich. She's 50 rich. Look at that woman. She looks better than a lot of 30 year olds. I don't know. Never quite good uh, it for me. Are, and this is me. That should, that should be that should be my uh, that should be my wheelhouse too. The milfs. What's I you? I don't know. It's never did much. Listen, maybe I was not, maybe I just had, I like resented her because I loved Howard Finkel so much that I just couldn't possibly like. I'm not saying you gotta desire the Garcia, but that is a that is a woman. Who I'll admire. I'll admire. Yeah, the 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 body is is yeah for a 50 year old is incredible. Yeah. I mean, come on. We should all be so lucky if our wives look like that when they're 50. Oh, you, I, or now. I stay quiet. I understand. <laughs> what? Oh, sh- she won't listen. She doesn't whoa. care. You better hope she checks out after that Mac Weldon ad. <laughs> you, think she, you think she's last in past Dragon Gate? No, Michelle's a fine woman. That, I'm just joking. But yeah, no, they're, they're, she's not last in Dragon Gate either. <laughs> wow. What, that was a heavy shot, yeah, man. That is yeah. the flame emoji if I've ever seen one. <laughs> Holy shit. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, Garcia, I can't believe you. Listen, she's not my dream woman either. She's no Alyssa Milano. But, but listen, she, she who was also held who, together. How old is Melissa Milano? Let's find out. She. I, I'm going to say she's 39. I think she's. Uh, <laughs> not that you're keeping track. Let's see here. No, not, not at all. Yeah. 43. 43? Yeah, that's a babe for 43. Talk about holding it together. Yeah, no, that, that's a babe. That is a great A babe. That, that is holding it together. <laughs> That's right up the Creech Alley. Oh, yeah. That's... Okay. Yeah, that's up my alley, too. That's one of my favorites 43. of all time. 43. Wow. Look at her. Look yeah. at that. Wow. Go, go, Alyssa. You do you. All right. What the hell are we talking about? Steve Lombardi. No, Louis Garcia. Uh, there we go. Yeah. Okay, now let's get into the meat here. All right. Okay? I think the big one that everybody, that most people are most, look, we all knew King Barrett was leaving. Okay, I think. He said far, as much, yeah. He's the most <laughs> Please let me go. Guy. Yeah. He's the most talented guy on the list. And I think that, um, but we all knew he was leaving. That was by choice. The one that everyone seems to be upset about is Sandow. I can see where people are coming from. Mm-hmm. This is another one of those tales of a guy who got himself over and it didn't seem to matter, you know, in the mold of a Zack Ryder or any of the other examples you want to give. Um, but here's the thing. He got himself over as a comedy guy, okay? He's been with the company for a fucking, on and off for a fucking decade. 2002, he started there. 2002. Tag, <laughs> Rich, he was in that tag team with James Curtis, managed by fucking um, uh, Michelle McCool, right? Michelle McCool, like where they were like the teachers' pets or whatever on SmackDown, whatever that awful team. He's been around forever. I mean, this guy. And look, it's like I, I like Damian Sandow as much as the next guy. I personally wouldn't have cut him, and I would find something for him to do. But can I see where the company's coming from on this one? I I can. I can. I don't know what you think about Well, no, I'm, I'm right with you. And I, I like Damien Sandow, too. But you look at – they have a bloated, you know, developmental roster. They keep bringing guys in, keep bringing guys in. There's so many guys that are ready to go. It's like, you know, yeah, I, it, it sucks. I think there's something you can use Damien Sandow with, and there's something you can do with Damien Sandow. But, I mean, they can't just keep hiring guys and then never getting rid of guys. Like, there, there's there's a point that comes where some guys just have to go. And, I like, it, it sucks. But, like, I don't know. I mean, is Damien, Damien Sandow is not really, like – that's not a make or break guy. I mean, we talk about it all the time. We talked about it with Ryback last week. 
a lot of these guys, for better or for worse, are just cogs in the machine. And, and Damien Sandow, whether you like him or not, was a cog in that machine. Nothing, literally zero, is going to change in WWE by Damien Sandow leaving. Nothing. Nothing at all. And you know you know what? He had a nice career. And I like him. I really do like the guy. I think he's great. I think he's I like really, really too. good. And, and he might be back. I mean, you never know. You never write him off. He's only 34. Uh, so you never know. But I can see where they're coming from getting rid of a guy like that. And it kind of segues into my next point. It kind of feeds into something I kind of said when we were talking about injuries last week. But, you know, when it comes – and again, it's like when when these cut days come, wrestling fans, it, it's there's such a dichotomy between how wrestling fans treat things like this and how sports fans – and like wrestling fans who follow sports treat these things. It's like you just said. It's like this is how it works. This is how sports and this is how entertainment works. You, you know, it's it's the old goes and the new comes in. Someone's constantly taking someone's spot. It's competitive. Um, I, I this it's like people. It's like people are throwing funerals every time someone gets cut. Look, this is the way of the world. They know what business they're in. Okay, this isn't this isn't Melissa from accounting, who the company is firing. Six months before she earns her pension because they're fucking scumbags and they want a screw jobber. This isn't an office job. This isn't. Uh, this is the entertainment business. And I don't know. These are. It's just. It's. It's. Sometimes people have to go. I think you said it best. You know, Rich, five minutes ago. You said it better than I'm than I'm conveying it. Sometimes you just have to move on, and these people have to go, and the new people have to replace them. And I don't. I don't know. I don't. It's like these people treat these cut days like they're funerals, and a lot of these people who got cut fucking stink. Cameron fucking stinks. Why? And and then like she gets cut, and there's people saying, "Oh, well, you know, she's been improving." And no, no she hasn't. Cameron is what? Let me tell you something about Cameron. Okay, Cameron. I think you can make a solid argument. She is the worst and least talented person. She is arguably the least talented person that this company has ever had under contract. You can make uh, that Yeah, Rosa Mendez would have something to say about that, but yeah. She's in the conversation. Yes, absolutely. Point. She's right there with Rosa Mendez and Eva Marie or whoever the hell you – she's one of the least talented people they've ever employed. She's the fucking shits. You cannot get much worse as a pro wrestler than her. You can go to any indie show this weekend and she'd be one of the worst people on any indie show in the country. She'd be one of the worst. You go to lowest level indie show with six people in the crowd with nothing but students and she'd still be in the bottom 50% of the people. She's awful. She's terrible, Rich. And there's people making a case for her like, oh my God, they can't. Who cares? She stinks. <laughs> okay, when I watch sport, we sit there and scream at our TVs. This relief pitcher has to go. He's fucking terrible. Cut this guy. Why is it any different? There's a, there's a modern – and actually, it's kind of funny because I, I deal with this a lot on the basketball end of sort of the Twitter universe or whatever. And, and I get it a little bit because, you know, I do uh, the podcast for Harvard and Paroxysm uh, over and back. Uh, and we do – and, like, whenever an NBA coach gets fired, there's always this, oh, my God, I can't believe they fired X or whatever. Like, oh, how do you get rid of, you know, Brian Shaw or whatever? Oh, it's just like, guys, it's like the NBA coaches – are in and out in like you have yes you have Greg Popovich and Red Auerbach and and Jerry Sloan the rest of them are out in like three years because like the players don't give a shit about them they don't like being there anymore and they move on and it's just a constant cycle of people but every single time again and again this happens where people go oh my god J- Dave Yeager how do you get rid of Dave Yeager if you're mad it's like 
yeah, whatever. Like it's, it's, it doesn't like, that's just kind of what the thing is. And like, I think one thing that's that, that, and, and, and Robert Karen brought this up on, on shake them ropes. Damien Sandow was there for 14 years. I mean, there, there was, I think a two year period where he wasn't there. So let's say 12 years. He was there yeah. as an active member of the roster. Do you know how long Stone Cold Steve Austin was an active member of the roster? I, it's going to be significantly short. It's eight years. Yeah. Eight years from 95 to 2002, 2003 until he what? That's it for Stone Cold. Yeah. David Sandow was there for 12, 14 if you want to count, you know, if you count the time in between. 2002. He was with there. Like, that's a fucking great run. That's for Damian Sandow. And, and that's why I can't get wound up about cutting him. If you want to get wound up about not giving him a fair shot when he got himself over, be my guest. If Apollo Crews got cut in this thing, then yeah, okay, then you can go, oh, crap, like, geez, they never gave the guy. Tyler Breeze gets cut. You're like, oh, man, like, they really yeah. just didn't give this guy a chance or to do anything. Like, we're, we're not talking about those. 14 fucking years. Right. And look, and if you want to tell me they didn't give him a fair shot, I will step out of the way and I'll let you rant. Because in many ways, that guy didn't get a fair shot. And I don't think he his his how far he got in the company matched his talent level. I think that's fair to say. But after 14 years, I mean, uh, Rich, is this guy ever going to main event a WrestleMania? No, it's done. I mean, you, you look at again, like again, the sports analogy. You look at your roster and you look at the upside and the, and the down. What is Damian Sandow's ceiling? We've probably gotten to that ceiling already, right? Uh, maybe we haven't. But that. But my point is, that's a different argument. I agree. Then, yeah. then is it time for him? Then was it too early? For, no, he's been there forever. It's been there for a decade and a half. I can't get wound up about it. And 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 someone like Cameron, please. I mean, let's be honest. She didn't belong on the roster in the first place. She fucking stinks. She brings nothing to the table. Her ceiling was valet. She may have been able to be a good valet. She, uh, I, I guess, she conveyed, you know, being like a bitch very well. Um, she had that character down. That was okay. She did an okay job at that. Still nothing special. Between, so maybe she could have been someone's manager, a heel manager, something like that. Rich, between the ropes, this person was utterly hopeless. She was fucking terrible. And you have people standing up like – not a lot of people. But, you know, oh, well, she was working so hard. We're, you know, hard work is great, okay? The seventh guy in every major league bullpen works real hard too, but they all lose their jobs pretty quickly yeah. because they're replaceable and they're not any good. And we're talking about this the elite of the elite too. And this is a company as well that we, we, you could sort of roll your eyes at this a little bit as well. But this is like the elite of elite of pro wrestling. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah, there are great people all across the world that aren't hired by WWE that never get a sniff or whatever. But for the most part, we can say without reason, especially given you know today's roster climate, we can say with pretty good you know confidence that these are majority of these are the top one percenters of pro wrestling you know pro wrestlers ever whether they have the look whether they have the persona whether they have the charisma whether they have the in-ring more times than not if you're that great you'll find or your way into this potential right she what, what what i mean does she deserve to be in that top one percent i mean she was awful on tough enough to the point where she can barely function in the ring and it was mystifying that she had a job to begin with. This person, she just had no natural ability to. And I'm a, I'm a big believer in natural ability as well. Like I, you see guys, and I, and I see it even today when I see like you know real young guys that are in there and they're 17 and 18 or whatever, they're trainees or whatever. You can tell the ones that are like, yeah, you know, you're working your ass off, but you know, you know what's. And then the guys that just have it, like we talked about those the, the two young boys in Dragon Gate. It was like, wow, okay, yeah, you guys got it. Like that's there's a big difference of like natural ability, natural smoothness, and yeah, you refine that over time, but like. 
who did you really honestly think Cameron in, in another five years was going to be some super worker? I no, like I said, like, yeah. the total upside for her was was valet or heel manager. But right. you can find, you know, there's they've got a million people in developmental who could probably do that better than mm-hmm. her. And I'm not saying she didn't work hard, and I have respect for. It. And look, her second statement that she made, the less controversial one, where she went down all the different ideas that she had. Some of them were pretty good ideas, but you know, it it, it look. This is not like I, you know. It's it's. It, it's not the real world. Hey, I wish I wish hard work. Hey, shit, it doesn't work in the real. Yo, the real world, hard work doesn't really work all the time either. Like. No, but my point is, we don't have to. My point is, when it comes to entertainment, sports, and sports entertainment, or whatever mm-hmm. you want to classify this as, we don't need to throw funerals when these people lose their jobs. It's not like the guy. That, that's someone who it's a hardship. These people know what they got into. It's the fucking entertainment business. Okay, it's not it's you're not guaranteed 30 years in a watch. I'm sorry. And that might come off cold, but uh, you know, I'm she had no place in this roster. I can hire you can name probably 500 people off the top of your head who are more deserving to be in this company than she. You want to do it? Never gotten a Let's shot. do it. We could probably do it. <clears throat> All right. Let's be honest. <laughs> we got it. She's fucking terrible. She's horrendous. So, you know, it's it's and that's Next true. show. Next show we'll do that. We'll we'll so did you, 500 did you people. Talk- did you want to talk about her first statement? Because we kind of had differing opinions on that. Yeah, right? go ahead. All right. So she puts out – after the whole ride back thing, she sends out a twit longer, which was about 19 paragraphs. Um, <laughs> Someone made a good choice. Uh, Someone made a good joke that she should find a, a program called Twit Shorter or whatever because it was like, all right. Which was a whole, you know, just great. Yeah, get to the point. Get to the point. Let's get real um, it in. I think that was Big Words 80s. I oh, okay. Yes. Okay. It was either him or Tape Machines. Right? I can't tell the difference between the two, to be honest. But They're good tweeters. Yeah. So she uh, one of them hates us and the other doesn't, but I forgot which one. Tape machines likes us. I don't think the other one likes us, but that's all right. Uh, big words eighties. I don't think he likes us. No, I think tapes machines sometimes likes us and sometimes doesn't. <laughs> he probably likes you and doesn't like me. That's usually how it goes. Oh, that's fair. Um, yeah, it is fair. Um, but uh, so she sends out this this tweet twit longer or whatever, and it's this nicely worded, heartfelt. I hate cyberbullying. I I try really hard, and you guys still, you know, are all over me. But I, you know, it's it's you know, try not to do that, and all this and that, and and uh, she was sort of backing up Ryback and saying that he's right. Everybody does work hard, and then at the end, she just drops a fucking bomb out of nowhere. Uh, she basically, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase, but she said, for the rest of you who uh, are still going to rip me after you read this, um, enjoy the meal that your mother brings downstairs for you later. Uh, again, paraphrasing, but she's basically, you know, the old wrestling fans live in mom's basement crack. Now, typically, that is a hack joke. It's terrible. It's not funny. It's eye rolly. It's 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 easy, and it's a terrible yep, you're, stereotype you're right. that isn't true. In this case, though, I <laughs> okay. it made me this time. You'll get your chance. Okay, all right. You're chomping at the bit here, <laughs> No, you already said everything I wanted to say. Whatever you just said in that last part about the hacky, low-hanging fruit of and, and generic jokes. You're right. Yeah, it's a terrible joke, and it's it's not true, and it's awful, and it's it's hacky and all that. But when I read it, it made me laugh in this context because it came out of fucking nowhere. You didn't see it coming, and she kind of just dropped the bomb. And look, I kind of like that sort of wise-ass fucking you know, angle that she took with it because it was a different take on the same old joke. And it didn't come off hacked to me in that instance. It came off like, oh, wow, they did not see it coming, and she just punched him in the mouth with it. So, look, I didn't think it was some kind of great mic drop or anything like that. I just thought it was amusing, and it got a legitimate 
chuckle out of me as I was reading That's it fair. on my phone. I, I just found but some I people. Know that you want to well, no, I, and maybe I think your stance on it is fine. Like to sort of like you got to chuckle, but some people are like, "Oh, Cameron with the mic drop!" Like, "Oh, she really showed you." And it's like that joke has been done to death. Like, it, not even it, not even in a wrestling context. If you like sports and you like stats, you've heard it for fifteen years. I mean, it's, it's like the mom's basement joke is like, "Let's find a different one." Like, and and, and what probably hurt it too is in the first paragraph, I believe she also said the IWC, and I was like, "All right, yeah. like you're already done for me." <laughs> like. If you're using like, well, some of you in the IWC and my, my biggest point of it or the thing that I found most ironic about it is this 19 paragraph diatribe about, oh, I hate cyberbullying and cyberbullying so bad and you shouldn't do as and this is how it affects people. And at the end, she goes, oh, yeah, and all you guys who cyberbully, you know, go fuck yourselves or what, like you're pieces of shit that live in your mom's basement. Like, yeah. eh, you know, that little contradictory, eh, you know, you can't go on this tirade about how this is so bad and how it affects people and it hurts people. And and this is how it affects me. And this is how it hurts me. And this is you people don't realize what it does to me. And then you in the last paragraph or last sentence go, oh, you're you're all a bunch of nerds who live in your mom's basement. Go fuck yourselves. Like, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. but people didn't get people were throwing roses. And again, like, oh, my That's God. True. Awesome. Side, though, she Rich. nailed it. Whoa. Take that. And it's like, all right. Like, On the flip side, a lot of people really were up in arms about how insulting it was. Like, I didn't care. I honestly didn't care. I just find it a very hacky, like the mom's basement thing. It's like, it's find something it's different. Like, everybody has used that for 15 straight years. Like, find something different than mom's hacky, basement. But, and like, but, it's mom's attic. To be, I mean, I went to my mom's attic because that was way cooler than my, I mean, the basement sucks. Who goes to a basement? Sure. The attic was great. Like, bathroom was there. I mean, we don't even have basements in Texas. Why not? Oh, it's because of the ground? Well, I'll tell you a quick story. I, we were, we were uh, looking for a house when we were uh, shopping for a house when we moved here. And uh, me and the old ex. I was going to say, who's we? She was actually here this week. She, she, uh, she made me dinner for, uh, and thanked me for doing her taxes. I got her a, uh, a nice refund, as I always do, because I, uh, you know. Listen, What'd she make? What'd she make? She's uh she made some nice Italian food. She made some pasta. She made some homemade meatballs. Oh, uh, jeez! Did a nice job. Try to uh, get out of the comfort zone there a little bit. Jeez, the Jersey girl comes in and makes you meatballs. It's like, the, yeah. the Jersey Italian comes <laughs> like, in and makes here. I'm gonna make you yeah. uh, spaghetti and meatballs. But there you go. Hey, listen, you know, <laughs> take what you can get. Right, I bet it's pretty good down there. That's how we roll. Okay, and my uh. Listen, I'm not getting good Italian food around. Well, I was going to say that that's actually not not to interrupt your story, but uh, my buddy at at my wedding. So at my wedding, we got like this southern food all catered here because like all there's all these northerners coming down and and eating southern food or whatever. Well, my one buddy who's an Italian dude, he was like, hey, I'm going to make you guys spaghetti meatballs as well to kind of go with this meal. And I said, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. You know, I don't care because I have meatballs and I can have it all the time. But her aunt and uncle, Michelle's aunt and uncle, who live in Charleston, South, like he. The, the uncle's from South Carolina. Like he's only lived there ever. They devoured that stuff. And I was like, you guys like that? They're like, oh, my God, we have not had anything like this ever. Like, in, in South Carolina, there is no Italian food anywhere. We went, like, even driving by, I didn't see one Italian restaurant the entire time I was there. We're here. I trip over one every two seconds. It's like, all right, cool. Like, you know what I mean? Like, anywhere I go in any city in the Chicago area, there's 17 Italian restaurants. Including all the chains as well. So, yeah, I, I know what you're talking about there in Texas. I'm sure it's not very good for you guys either. Or all you have is Olive Garden, and that's that's not good either. The first – Or Carrabba's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's not, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I actually uh, – I, I like Olive Garden. I think Olive Garden gets kind of a bad rep. I'm not saying it's the greatest fucking Italian food on earth, but uh, Olive Garden's fine. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. But, but – uh, Too expensive. Quick, too expensive. 
for what they give you. Come on, lower the price a little. Fucking creature with the expense. Well, I mean, hey, I, I don't mind paying. Hey, it's un, it's unlimited fucking salad, Rich. Well, you can get your money's worth if you want to sit there and eat nineteen rolls of salad. I don't. I'm not, okay, a, so, not a heathen. You know, not a heathen. I, you know. But I mean, geez, you're complaining <laughs> that creaky wallet of yours again. Fettuccine Alfredo. You guys are twelve bucks for that. The fuck is this shit? The, the, the a story on top of my other quick story. <laughs> we move here. Uh, we didn't even have furniture yet, so we were eating out every day. Okay, all we had was a foreman grill and like <laughs> no furniture, so we're eating out every. day. I would make a joke, but just go, just go. We, we find, what, what's the joke? No, I'd no, like no just, just continue on. No, I'm curious. Now. No, no, go, just go. No, what was your? No, joke? just go, just go. I'm trying to think now. Foreman grill, no furniture. Where were you going with that? Nothing. Don't worry about it. Just go. You can't do that. Just Rich. go. No, no, no. You're good. Now. You're good. No, that's fine. Were you afraid it was gonna bomb? Um, not that, more so that we have somebody that wanted to sponsor us. <laughs> Just uh, move on. Carry on. Oh, you were afraid you were going to insult a potential sponsor? Possibly, yes. So. Oh, I thought you were going to take a crack at me, which I'm always... No, 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 no. I'm a good sport. No, but just anyway, a um, vile joke, but you're fine. So, Go on. So we fight... Yeah, yeah. Or, wait a minute. Is the Foreman Grill people going to sponsor us? That'd be awesome. That'd be great, yeah. I could use a new Foreman. One of, one of the eight George Foremans. Uh <laughs> Maybe his son has, has one of his sons taken over the uh, the business yet? Right, who knows? So I don't even know if he still puts his name on those things, does he? I'll be honest, I have no idea. Remember, well, Hulk Hogan, Hogan could have done it. Just, right? He missed the phone call. <laughs> that's like, yeah, he wasn't home. That's like uh, in the, the NBA. You have the Draymond Green thing now that goes on where it's like, ah, we were just about to draft Draymond Green, and then we drafted like Marcus Teague instead. <laughs> it's like, no, you Hollis weren't. Thompson. It's like, yeah, we. Oh, every team was like, oh, he was on the top of our draft board, and then at the last second we drafted. It's like, oh, he was drafted like thirtieth. Like, guys, come on, like, shut the hell up. Like the number one overall pick. They're like, oh, we were thinking about Draymond, but then we got like, you know, Andrew Wiggins. It's, it's like, just shut up. Just shut up. No, you weren't. I don't know why I always beat up Hollis Thompson on that. That's a Hoya. I should leave him alone. That's a Hoya. But anyway, uh, Hollywood. We just call him Hollywood when he played for the Hoyas. Oh, yeah? Uh, so, so we found an Italian restaurant. Uh, and we're like, oh, look at this, an Italian restaurant. So we sit down. We keep it simple. She orders spaghetti and sausage. You can't screw up spaghetti and sausage, right? I mean, you boil the fucking spaghetti, and it's sausage. How can you screw that up? You're thinking you can't screw that up, right, Rich? She Uh-oh. takes a bite out of sausage. She spits it out. She pushes the plate over to me. I'm like, what? I take a bite of the sausage. Rich, it was fucking breakfast sausage. Oh. It was like Jimmy Dean fucking breakfast I feel like you told me this story. I don't know if it was on air or off air, but I I think I remember the story, but but carry on. Maybe, but there was no like fennel seed, you know, so it didn't have that attack. It was fucking breakfast sausage. Uh, That's the sausage you serve over here for your fucking Italian. And that's an was a fucking Italian restaurant. So anyway, the other story, we're shopping for the houses and, uh, you know, we must have looked at, I don't know, 150 houses. And, and, you know, we turned to the realtor and we said, uh, um, none of these houses have, do you have anything with a basement? We'd like to have a basement. And she was like, oh my gosh. No, we don't have basements around here. She's like, uh, my mother has one. She lives in Ohio, but there's no basements in, there's no basements in Texas. Like, she's laughing at us. We felt like uh, Pee Wee Herman asking about the basement of the Alamo looking for his bike because it's like there's no fucking basements around here. And you're right. It's the fucking ground. They can't – she explained that it's like very hard fucking – there's like slate five feet below the surface and they can't dig through that. So there's no fucking basements in Texas. So Cameron is wrong. Wrestling fans in Texas are not living in their mm-hmm. basement. There we go. Okay, they're either living in the attic or they're living in the bed, but they're not living in the basement. The second Cameron statement, okay, I thought was a better one. Did you read the second one? I did, yeah. It was genuine, she a t- lot more genuine because she, you know. Yeah, she no, go ahead. about yeah. all the ideas she's had over the years that she, and, and how she pitches ideas to uh, 
constantly pitch. And, you know, that matches up to something JTG was saying, too. He's saying everybody thinks these people who aren't on TV are just sitting home collecting paychecks. And his point was that's wrong. They're, you know, we're there. We're just not on screen. We're constantly pitching things, making phone calls, bothering people, bothering writers, bothering executives, pitching ideas, trying to do this, trying to do that. And it just a lot of times falls on deaf ears. And you kind of got the same sense from her statement because she had a bunch of different wild ideas that she said she pitched. But unfortunately, they just don't go anywhere. I think that second tweet that she made, I think everyone should go read that one because it's a real eye-opener to the struggles of the people who are having trouble getting on TV and having trouble finding a spot and what they go through and the lengths that they go to to, to, to find a spot. Um, do you think her biggest mistake was not swallowing her pride and just committing herself to NXT? Um, no. I, I mattered I, because she's terrible. Yeah, I don't think it would have mattered. But, I, I you know, uh, that's a tough question to say. <sighs> Maybe, but I, I get her perspective as well. It's kind of hard to, to to start back, you, you know, that way, especially when you've been on the main roster for so long and, and, and done so much. I, I get that that'd be a little tough, but yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I. It, it's hard to say if yeah. I mean, she, she probably should have, but she sucks, and it would really have mattered. It just would have been six months of her in Florida doing the same crap and then getting released anyway. You know, like. Didn't she have a terrible match in NXT anyway? Yes. I forgot who it was against, but it was horrendous. And then she just disappeared, and then people just literally couldn't find her. Um, you know, no one knew what the hell happened to her from there. So, uh, so it's Cameron. Who's next on our list here? We spent uh, So we got Damien Sandow. We got Cameron. Uh, King Bear. We don't have to talk about him anymore. Santino. I mean, what, what's left with Santino? I mean, I, who knew he was <laughs> the Lanny Poffo of the modern yeah, era? The it's Lanny like Poffo deal for sure. Like definitely, they looked on a sheet and were like, "Wait a minute, we're still paying Santino." Like, yeah, crazy. <laughs> That's nice. A uh, hornswoggle. Yeah, I mean, now it's coming out. I don't know if you saw uh, Ryan Satin put out on Pro Wrestling Sheet. Uh, he claims his suspension wasn't for drugs. Now, remember, we knew something was fishy with his drug suspension. Turns out he was having trouble providing a sample. He couldn't pee. That's what he's claiming anyway. I don't know if you saw that story. I did, before. yeah. that's. Um, but, I mean, look, if they were, go- we can lump him with Torito, right? Jeez. Uh, gonna- well, I mean, if you want to be so degrading to their... Well, they're fucking little guys, okay, you know. All right, all right. And if you're gonna cut one little guy, you got to <laughs> cut him. Like cut because, because what are you gonna do? Other, Who's he gonna face? Yeah, who's he gonna exactly, face? Yeah. What's the other little guy gonna do? That's not, what a rough this, life. That's a rough life, man. And it was pretty fucking stupid that those two guys weren't the opener on every fucking house. That WLC match was the greatest match of all time. Do you remember that WLC? Of course. Oh was. my god, what a great match that was! It was so good. You, it's a, you stick those two in the <sighs> opener of every house show. And every kid and every family is going to love it. You give them eight minutes. You send them out there. They do a little comedy. Torito flies around. Hornswoggle does some comedy spots. Hey, you hire a third little guy, okay? And then you rotate him out. Yeah. You know what I mean? You cycle him. You know, uh, you give See what Max Minnie's doing. Max Minnie's got to still be around, right? There's a bunch of talented little guys, yeah. okay? So you give Hornswoggle a break for six weeks. You bring in the other little guy. Then you give Torito a break, and you do Hornswoggle versus the other little guy. And those are your house show openers. I did, how do you not? I don't understand. You had these guys under contract this whole time, and you totally pissed it away. You totally pissed it away. And look, I know they're never going to give a serious push to the little fellas. They're never going to do that. But you could have these guys work the openers and have fun little matches and attract the kids. Kids like that shit. Oh, I loved kids it as a kid. I loved the little minis, man. As a kid, like I remember, uh, yeah, Saturday night, like uh, a shotgun Saturday night used to have all, like all the time. There would be one of those, and it'd be whoever it was, Max Mini and Mini Nova Vader. and Mini, Mini Vader Mankind. and Mini Mankind, and like that was my favorite thing ever. It was the best. Like the, the original El Torito, I think, was on one of the uh, in your houses because Vince McMahon. 
handling those like three Spanish words. Oh, uh, you mean the Mascarita Sagrada original or the? Uh, uh, yeah, who was that El Torito? I forgot which that one was. Um, oh, there was another El Torito. No, because because Vince only knows like four Spanish words. Yeah. Ah, it's El Torito. And they're like, all right, Vince. Like we already had one, but all right. Like give him a tail and make. Yeah, him. he's a he's a bull. He's gotta be a little bull. All right, all right, Vince. He's Mexican. Yeah, did that night. Okay, all right, all right, Vince. Yeah, what was I forgot who, who that actually was, I and mean, maybe one of the Lucha guys will know uh, who that El Torito was. But yeah, there was that one, uh, Nova Max Mini. I think it was a Taurus again because he only knows. Uh, just a missed opportunity to book these guys and do something with them, and they just completely wasted them. And and obviously El Torito is immensely talented. Um, oh, I just found my yeah, favorite just, moment in, in WWE history. I remember this as a kid vividly. The minis had a match, and Kane came out and just destroyed all of them. I'm looking at like I'm watching. I'm, I'm not watching the video now, but I see the thumbnail, and it's just like Kane just lifting Max Mini like 75 feet above his head and chokeslam. I remember that being awesome. So, a, a quick search of the cage match tells me that El Torito was actually the very talented Mini Espectrito who just passed away, who was also Mini Vader. Um, so oh. he may have went under a. Bu- he worked as an El Torito. I don't know if he did in WWE or not. But that's the El Torito that Cage Match pulls up. So, um, yeah, I don't know. But if it was him, he's one of the best minis of all time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember him being pretty good from what I... He was, he was excellent. But I don't know if he was the WWE... Yeah, that I, I have no idea. Not. He was definitely Mini Vader. So that's sure. good to know. Yeah. Um, so, and he was Espectrito, who, of course, wrestled Octagoncito on the uh, when's world, <laughs> when, worlds, when Worlds Collide AAA pay-per-view promoted by WCW which was just an eye-opening opener um, for anyone who didn't see minis before, which was me when I was 18 years old or whatever it was. And those guys just blew me away, and that's a match that everyone should seek out that I'm still really fucking annoyed is not on the network. Yeah, how is that not on there yet? There's got to be some clearance issue. It's got to be some sort of weird clearance issue or something. I don't know. It was Mas- it was Mascarita Sagrata and Octagoncito against Espectrito and Jurito uh, Estrada, and that was the opener. And that's one of the best pay-per-views of all time. I still think that. And that opener was tremendous, especially if you had never seen the minis before. And the highlights were Espectrito and Mascarita Sagrada. But yeah, they could have put these guys in the openers of all these house shows and sort of... <laughs> Not to interrupt, here's a re- so I looked up One World's Collide on Google, and the first result is a WWE.com article saying, the best pay-per-view you've never seen, Triple A's One World's Collide. Yeah. You guys own the fucking thing. You can see it. Like, we can see it. Like... There's got to be a reason. I mean, maybe it's because. Well, look, they're not paying anybody royalties off the network, right? So I was gonna say maybe they can't. No, yeah, these guys, yeah, right. But they're they're fucking everybody anyway. So why not put this? Yeah, and and then right below that is YouTube video IWC slash AAA One Worlds Collide two hours and five minutes. So there you go on YouTube. So which I'm sure has tons of views. So you know that was Rey Mysterio Jr.'s first exposure, mainstream exposure to a wide U.S. audience was that pay per view. And he was in a throwaway six-man in the middle of the show, and I don't even think his team won because I'm pretty sure the uh, the heel side won that match, if memory serves. But that was his first exposure. You had uh, well, Chris Benoit was on that show, and of course, uh, people forget Tito Santana was on that. Mm-hmm. Yes, that Tito Santana, uh, Too Cold Scorpio, and of course – it wasn't you know people forget that the main event was Pero Aguayo versus Conan in the cage which which um but but the, the semi main event that that's the one that I think was remembers. the main event yeah. right El, El Hio Del Santo and and Octagon of course who's been in the news recently against Guerrero and Love Machine which was a tremendous all-time match one of the greatest matches ever and you know um and and superheated and all that and it it was a star maker for Guerrero and Art Bar 
and story that we've told on this show a million times. Um, you know, how it was going to be Art Bargo in ECW and not Guerrero. And then Art Bar died and, and, and Heyman, you know, and we know the, the rest, what happened with Guerrero. Basically dedicated his career and patterned himself after Art Bar and became one of the biggest stars, you know, around. So I don't understand why they wouldn't put that on the network. It's a great show and it was, hist- uh, and it's a historical show in many ways. I just I, I don't get it, Rich. It must but, be. Uh, does Triple A own the rights or something? Is it something where they because it's they maybe co-own yeah, maybe the rights? Because you know the, the I think the one the the, uh, the Korea show that one's not on there either. Yeah, the Korea is it? Shows aren't either. You're right. Yeah, is that the those other one? The, those are the only shows. The and then the, the New Japan Starcades. I don't think are on there either. Only the one that took place here where they did W. Yeah. Oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Ninety five. I believe that one. Tenzan and Kensuke Sasaki and Sting won the. That's the, he won the final match, I think, to win it for the. But yeah, you're right. The international shows aren't. Maybe it has to do. You're right because it was AAA and 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 the Ron Skolar promotion. I forget mm-hmm. ICW or something like. Yeah, that. Yeah, IWC, I believe IWC or IWC. Uh, the IWC again. <laughs> they rear their ugly head once again. And, you know, and 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 WCW basically just uh, uh, produced it for them. Yeah, and correct. It. And and. You know, I believe it sold out the LA Sports Arena. I think it did. If it didn't, it was a packed house. Um, and and it didn't. You know, and and that was when Hogan was coming into the company, and they kind of undersold the pay per view a little and didn't push it as hard as they could have. But the people who did see it was a great show. They really should. Put yeah, thirteen thousand is what uh, pro wrestling history has for it. So sold out show. It's a healthy so, crowd. That's yeah, not a bad crowd. crowd for the LA Sports Arena. That's not bad at all. Uh, so yeah, that's the the minis that they you know they they could have been used better. Um, look. Every five years or so, every five to ten years, Vince decides to hire some minis. And they, you know, they're hot on them at first, and then they just don't fucking do a thing with them. And he gets bored and changes his mind and doesn't want to use them anymore. But Hornswoggle lasted a long fucking time. Yes, he did. Yeah, he's, he was around for a while. So, yeah, both of those, I'm with you. I think there was a definite use for those guys. But, you, you know, like I said, again, wasn't surprised because, like you said, once one of them fell, the other one had to fall. And, again, like you said, Vince McMahon has this fascination every, you know, five to ten years. And, you know, in, in five to ten years, he'll hire another bunch of them. They'll last for three years, and then he'll just get to – I mean, that's, it, it's just what it's going to happen. So, unfortunately, they're – the ceiling was kind of low on those guys as well, unfortunately. But hey, they that we all see will forever be my favorite match of all time. So, uh, Alex Riley, A Ry, what do you got for A Ry? A Ry, you know, um, remember that one week you, when he was like way over? Week, <laughs> You're like, oh my god, this guy's a star. Which tell well, well, it goes to show how great Kevin Owens is because he oh, I was talking about when he turned on the Miz, but. <laughs> I was talking about the Kevin Owens feud. So we have two separate weeks. So we have two separate weeks. Okay, well, then there we go. So There you go. We got two weeks where he was a hot commodity. But um, you know, Remember when he turned on The Miz? There was like a huge pop. It was like the same sort of... Remember uh, when they teased that Rhodes and, and DiBiase were going to turn on Orton when they were in yes. Legacy? And then they fucking never did it. And they did it like six months later and nobody cared again. Yeah. This A-Ride thing, they, they did it at like the exact right time. And everybody was like, holy crap. And then you know he was way over for like two weeks. And then it was like, oh, it's Alex. And then they gave up on him and they didn't care. And then he was just kind of gone. But... You just reminded me of another really shitty person they had under contract, Manu. Oh yeah, yeah, the original Manu legacy member. Manu was one yeah. of the shittiest people they've ever had under contract. <laughs> I mean, I, it's just what did he bring to the table? What's uh, what's old nothing. Manu doing these days? I mean, he, you know what? He's doing nothing. And you know why he's doing nothing? Because he, he sucks, oh. <laughs> and and that's why Cameron will do nothing uh, ever again in this business. But um, yeah, so look, Alex Riley again. You know, he's expendable. You know, you can't keep these guys around forever. And uh, he's kind of a jerk, so no one was really sad about that one. 
Um, and and you know, look, he's he was in NXT. He was trying to do this rage thing. It wasn't really catching on. I'll tell you what, though, he main evented a WrestleMania, so you can't take <laughs> that away from him. I mean, he did. You know, you can't take it. Away he, was, from him. he was part of the main event. I don't know if he main he evented. Main evented. Listen, he was. He was a main event performer at WrestleMania. Can you? Can, is that not a fact? I guess you're right, but I feel like he you. Was a, listen. Now I got to look through WrestleMania history. Now I got. I got. I got to find. Let's see here. Who's who's Did another? Bobby Heenan? Let, let me ask you a question. Did Bobby Heenan main event WrestleMania oh, I, three? Okay, I, think, I feel like Bobby no, Heenan right? probably had more of more to do with Andre the Giant's rise than Alex Riley had to do with I, the I miss. agree, but, <laughs> but you're right. Okay, facts. all right. I get what you're saying. If you, you, the man made it, listen. Are we saying that he was an important cog? <laughs> okay. Look, the, the Miz didn't even matter for being. <laughs> yeah, I'll right? take I mean, that right. So the guy he was managing didn't even matter that he was in the match. It was all about the fucking ref. Okay, let's be honest. But the fact of the matter is, the Miz and A. Rye right. main evented at WrestleMania, and you cannot take that away right. from A. Rye, no matter how misogynistic his father is, <laughs> and no matter how much of a jerk that he is. Okay, you can't take that away from him. So you know what are you gonna do? But again, very expendable person on the roster. Um, I thought he had some potential at first. I think we all did. He looked pretty good on NXT, right? When he was doing some, yeah, oh yeah, hey, he was doing the he was doing the high school gym bully. He gym was, yeah, routine, and he was very good at that. He even had the fucking letter jacket. Ah, there we go, Harvey yeah, Whippleman, WrestleMania main eventer Harvey Whippleman. Remember that? Absolutely. Okay. I don't remember. You're not taking it away. Uh, Sid Justice. He was the manager of Sid Justice. Oh, that's right. What a, that was a shitty mania. That was it? not a great mania. Yeah. So Harvey Whippleman. Yeah, a former Divas champion. <laughs> right, or was he a women's champion? Which title was it at that time? Uh, women's at that time. Even yeah, though Charlotte's so, the first women's champion of all time. But, you know. So Harvey Whippleman. Mr. Mr. Fuji? Mr. Fuji? Mr. Well, hey. WrestleMania Harvey 10? Harvey Whippleman was a world champion and a WrestleMania main event. And you can't take either of those things. The WrestleMania main eventers, Ken Norton Jr., Chris Spielman, Carl Banks, Ricky Jackson, Reggie White, Steve McMichael, and WrestleMania main eventers, Tatanka, King Kong Bundy, Ted DiBiase, IRS, Nikolai Volkov, and Kama. Remember those? I'm done. Wait, how are they WrestleMania main eventers? Well, they were, they, were all att- they were all outside of the ring. Lawrence Taylor versus Bam Bam Bigelow. I'm not counting them. <laughs> okay. I will listen. I got I will count. An, I will count a manager. I'm not counting those guys. Okay. Do they have manager licenses? <laughs> I believe. Uh, I believe Nikolai Volkov applied for his, but I don't know if it ever came in time. Was he? Was that? When DiBiase. He was, sh- was that when Volkov was wearing the shirt with the scent sign? Because yes. DiBiase was embarrassing. Him? Right. <laughs> the humiliation gimmick. What about, what about Chris Spielman? You're not counting Chris Spielman. Heck of a middle linebacker. Probably has brain issues. Oh, not yeah. a WrestleMania main event. Okay. I'm not, I'm not giving you that one. All right. Fair enough. All right. Continue. I'm done. Okay. So who do we got next? A-Rye. Oh, that's obviously. it for A-Rye. That's our tribute for... We're done with A-Rye. Okay. Look, he, you know... You're 35, uh, dude. Sorry. Like, I don't know. How long was he? he really, it, he's 35. He, yep. He's older than Sandow. Yeah. Think about that one. How long was he in developmental for? I'm trying to remember when he popped up because he was an Not old that FCW long, guy. Relatively speaking, because he was on the what second season of NXT. Uh, 2007, he came. So uh, not a bad run, nine years, but been around a while. But it's crazy that he's older than Sandow. Yeah. The hell did he do before? I don't even remember what he did. Well, he was a backup quarterback at Boston College. Yeah. I think he might have taken something like ten snaps in his career. He backed up Matt Ryan. 
So it makes sense that he's about 35, right? Yeah, that's what. So, because um, I know his career crossed paths with Matt Ryan. Yeah, he, uh, he once had a job selling medical equipment. So apparently he sold medical equipment before deciding to be a wrestler. And so, he there will you go. be selling it again very soon. <laughs> so. Him and his dad are going to, first him and his dad are going to pitch radio stations across the country for uh, generic, terrible, shitty, conservative sports radio. And then when that his doesn't work, then not a job I don't think so. <laughs> All right, and then I believe our last one is Zeb Coulter. Couldn't find anything yeah, for an old one, Dutch Mantel. Yeah, I mean, apparently, and I didn't know this until Dave came out with it, he was in Big Man's ear, pitching booking ideas and giving advice. And Why wouldn't you keep a guy like that around? I mean, he's obviously a veteran of the business, knows what he's talking about. But, again, you know, people are just, you got to trim books. And, uh, you know, he wasn't in the best of health. Maybe he wanted to go. Who knows? But, uh there's not a ton of surprises on this list. No, no. And, and I, Coulter, I, really I, I will say about Coulter, though, I feel like that's a guy that, and we mentioned a few of these guys, he's a guy that I always think you have some use for. I, he doesn't have to be an on-screen character. Like, man, even, even though he was fantastic in that role, except for the Del Rio yeah. thing, which I forgot even existed. Like, when I, I, and I tweeted out earlier, when Dave mentioned that in The Observer, I legitimately said, oh, my God, that happened. Like, oh, my God, Zeb Coulter came out in, like, a scooter with Alberto Del Rio for, like, two months. Like, what the hell was that? Well, I'll tell you what, that wasn't even his fault that it stunk, but it was terrible. Oh, my God, I completely forgot that thing. I just wiped that from my mind, and when I read it in The Observer, I went, oh, my God, that happened. Why did that happen? I still don't know why that happened. No, it makes no sense. Remember that? Like, oh, oh you bring in Del Rio. Oh, Jesus Christ. I can't even. No sense. I can't even. But no, but like that guy, I mean, with the, the thing with Jack Swagger, I mean, he's he's so good in that role. He was so great in that role, and he's, he, I feel like there's always something you can use with him, even if you don't want him again, like if you don't want him on screen doing something backstage, pitching ideas, being one of 20 guys that just sort of throws out an idea and Vince ignores it and you know, whatever, you know, one of them, maybe Vince listens to, you know what I mean? Like that's a guy I feel like you can always, cause he's always thinking, always doing stuff. That's a perfect guy. Like I don't want him to be like the main guy at NXT or whatever, but something with, with, with Dutch Mantel or, or you know, he can do, but I, I, I get it. I mean, I get it. He's 66 years old, older guy, you know, not a guy that Vince probably particularly sees as, as very useful. I, I absolutely get it, but yeah, I wonder. I wonder what his next step is because I don't. That's a lifer. I don't like a wrestling lifer. I mean, I like. I don't think he's gonna just kind of ride off into the sunset. He'll he'll pop up somewhere doing something. I don't know what. I though. don't know unless his health is really that. That is a problem, though. Yeah, that that. Because where's he? And again, where's he gonna go? Another issue too. Yeah, like the indies are kind of it's a young man's game <laughs> these days. And, it's and, really and, not for. And that's the that's the counter argument to me being like cold about the people getting cut or whatnot or perceived to be. I just see these people as cogs in the machine, just like athletes, just like entertainers, and it's just the it's the it's the life cycle of the industry. Um, but the 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 counter argument to that is with WWE being the only quote unquote team, you know. When a team cuts a player, there's 29 other teams that are potential employers. The counter argument is if you WWE cuts you, you could be there's nowhere else to go. Right, you're done. Yeah. And I, I do think that is a valid counter argument, but it still doesn't move me enough to where look. Sometimes people have to go. It's just it's it is what it is. That's uh, you know. How it works. One thing I did want to bring up uh, re- regarding WWE cuts, and then we'll, we'll move on, is one thing that I've always – and it happened with the Ry- with Ryback's statement last week too. And it, it, more and more I just see it, when, especially when I was breaking down how long these guys were with this company. How long, I really just do miss the fact that these guys and, – and I hope that it does change. And I hope TNA be, you know, continue, grows and, and can actually be a, a legitimate number two and then Ring of Honor continues its potential growth. and like these, Because I would love the idea that these guys don't feel like this is – like. 
if you're creatively stifled like a King Barrett or whatever, that he can go, he can go to the whatever other company it is, company X or whatever, do something for a little while, catch WWE's attention again, comes back. You know what I mean? Like you just don't have that anymore. And you have these guys that have been there for uh, Damian Sando has been there for 12 years, 14 years. Alex Riley has been there for nine years. And these guys that probably do have talent, but it's just like once they're done with their initial little pop in WWE, it's just kind of like, well, then you just kind of do that forever. And it, it's a part of me misses that a lot that these guys could or had the balls to even do that. It back at like, because Alex Riley's not going to go to Vince McMahon's office in 2000, you know, 12 and go, hey, fuck yourself, go fuck yourself. I'm going to go, you know, to TNA and then you're going to want me back or whatever. Cause they'll go, okay, fine. Well, you know, we don't need you. Bye. <laughs> like, like, Alex, like Christian did. Right. Like, yeah. Like, like Christian was one of the few guys that was able to, I mean, well, TNA is not in that position to do that anymore. But yeah, that early, those days of TNA with Jeff Hardy did that too. You know, he got fired from there, went to Rigo on a bomb there, then got caught on in TNA and then got hired back by WWE. Like, I, that was really cool because these guys that were felt stifled that didn't, for one reason or another, weren't getting their push could actually legitimately say, hey, look, you're going to see me in a few years and you're going to understand what i have to do and yeah WWE is the number one game in town and then they can go back you know there would be that thing where they would go back they'd go to wcw for a little bit they'd go tour a random territory again and then come back or whatever but you just don't these guys just sit there and stew and i i get it like a damien sandow it was never going to go to his office and go here's you know you can pitch ideas and hey there's something i think i could do or whatever but these guys just don't have the and and i i don't blame them i mean this is where the paychecks come they this they can't they don't have that luxury to just say you know what fuck you i'm gonna go here and i'm gonna try this because we really don't know a lot of these guys true talent levels like a, a damien sandow he's gonna float and wrestle pro and do some other stuff and he's going to do some indies here and there but it's like you know we don't know like are we ever going to really see the peak of him alex riley we never you know there were some ideas or some potential for him but he's kind of done now it's like these guys they're just sort of it, that's it like that's all you get is you get this it's, one run with this one company and if it, they don't believe in you nothing catches on then you're kind of just done i mean you can reinvent yourself look there's not one obvious place to go but if we talked about it last week when we talked about Ryback, there are ways to reinvent yourself and to rebuild. Look at what Drew McIntyre is doing or whatever. Is he, did I just call him his old name? You did call him Drew McIntyre, yeah. But what's his name? What's Drew, his Galloway. Name Drew Galloway. Drew Galloway is what he, he goes by now. Look, look at what Drew Galloway yeah. is doing too. I mean he's going to get – let's be honest. He's getting back in at some point. And, he, and the reason he's going to get back in is he went out there. He worked hard. He was working in all of these places. And he's, he has increased his profile since he left. His profile and his stature is in a better place now than when he was slumming it up with 3MB. And um, he's making a shit ton of money. You can make money and you can increase your profile outside of the company. You just got to have the balls to do it. Yeah. About it. You got to know the places to go, which again goes back to the conversation we had about Ryback, and you can do it. And Drew Galloway is a perfect example. And this company hasn't done mass cuts since that Black Thursday when Galloway was cut. And that Black Thursday class was a far more talented class of people than the class of people that just got cut now. You had Galloway, you had Seidel, people who we kind of knew would land on their feet, especially if they were smart about it. Yeah. And you also had people who got cut that day who have – who look, the people who we figured would land on their feet, the Seidels, the Galloways, um, uh, even the like Tyrus to some extent, okay – have landed on their feet. And then the people who really weren't that talented to begin with, what's Jinder Mahal doing these days? That's okay? a very good question. I do not know that, what Jinder Mahal's doing. That guy couldn't get booked. He couldn't even get booked when he was when he was a freshly cut name when everybody gets booked. Everyone gets booked for the first 60 days. That guy couldn't get booked then. Okay? He lives, I'm pretty sure he lives in Houston, right here in my backyard, and I think he worked one or two random fucking 
indie shows around here and just did nothing else because it, it's like – and that's – this class of people who just got cut, I think you're going to have a lot of Jinder Mahals. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think Sandow is a guy who's going to get booked, and I think aside from him, Torito is going to go back to Mexico and be fine. The rest of these people are a bunch of fucking they're, – they're, they're a bunch of Jinder Mahals. You know what I mean? Uh, what, what, whatever happened to Black Ref? Oh, yeah. Whatever did happen to him. I mean, that's a joke, obviously. Yeah, of course. Black Ref did get cut <laughs> on Black Thursday because they had a new Black Ref, and you can only have one Black Ref. <laughs> can have two. The viewers will get confused. So so Black Ref Black Ref 1 was cut on Black Thursday. But, yeah, so Evan Bourne and, and, uh, and Galloway. And, well, and, and here's, a, here's a good thing to sort of remember as well. So what, what year was that? That was 2003. 13 or 14 yeah early 14 i believe okay and i'm even surprised by this too how old do you think drew galloway is just to give you an idea of at what level he he was cut he might not even be 30 he just turned 30 yeah he'll be back there's no question exactly so there's a guy evan Bourne. he's only 33 right now so that's a guy that you look at these some of these guys on this roster now and i think that's a good point that you brought up a guy like a king barrett you know he's 35 you know, then you kind of, and we know he's done and we know he wants to be done with this for a little while. That's it. Damien Sano is 34. Alex Riley's 35. Like these guys, they're, when they would have had, they would have had to jump into Vince's office at when they were 28 and go, you know what? I'm going nowhere here. Screw you. I'm doing this or whatever. You know, Drew Galloway didn't do that, but he was given that opportunity at 28 or 27 to say, you know what? Hey, go reinvent yourself. And he's able to, and now he's back in his arguable prime or whatever. These guys who they hung around for better, for worse, and I don't blame Damian Sandow for saying, no, screw this. I'm going to stick here and do this. But now they're at a point where at 34, you know, where do you get that ability to then have that next jump in your career? I, I don't know. I don't know if he's one of those guys that has that. And I like Damian Sandow, but yeah, the, you're right. You're right on the money. And that's sort of the point I was going to bring up with these guys is that I don't think there's anybody in this bunch that's going to really blow the doors off anything. You know what I mean? Like, none, I, I don't think in, in a year's time, where are all these guys going to be? Where's Damien Sandow going to be in a year's time? Maybe, maybe that's a good prediction. Where do you think Damien Sandow is a year from now? I think Sandow is, uh, doesn't disappear like Jinder Mahal disappeared. I think he's, he, he's still um, a somewhat prominent figure on the indie scene. Um, the problem is the indie scene doesn't suit him very well right now because he's not like a PWG guy. Right. He's not an Evolve guy. And an Evolve now, of course, is tied in with WWE anyway. Um, I, you know, could he be an ROH? Could you see him being an ROH guy? Uh, I, I, maybe, I could, yeah. I, but, but um, yeah, the thing is, you know what else hurt these guys? They all aged during a time period where WWE wasn't cutting people because right. they were hoarding they were hoarding talent so that TNA and Global Force and whatever AAA had cooking, which turned out to be Lucha Underground. If you remember, Rich, all of these different things were sort of kicking up dirt and getting started. And WWE wasn't releasing people because they didn't want to hand – they didn't want to just gift wrap talent to these upstart promotions. So they weren't cutting people for the longest time. Yeah. They didn't cut people for two years. And these guys didn't really press the issue either. So that's always kind of a funny thing when they talk about, oh, you know. And, and again, I, I, my point here is just basically that these guys – smartly just hung around and got that paycheck, but people sort of say, oh, they should have done this, they should have done that. These guys, you know, not to be fair, they had an opportunity to say, you know what, screw you, I'm going to go prove myself. You know, but they said, I'll get the paycheck. And I don't blame them. Knock yourself out. That's it's, it, easily the best idea. People, you, you know what this is telling to? WWE has no respect for TNA and their position in the business anymore. Because some of these people are going to turn up in TNA. 
I mean, two or three of them probably will. And WWE just doesn't care anymore. They really don't. Whereas, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago, three years ago, whatever it was, they really were hoarding people and not cutting them because they, they were worried about Jarrett. They're not worried about Jarrett anymore either. It's very obvious Jarrett's <laughs> never getting TV. But Rich at the is time... Is he still Rich shopping that original TV taping? I wonder if that thing is still, like, finding its way to, like, like random networks. Like, what the hell is this thing? And it's like... The problem now is the young bucks, you know, like, and they're like not even the like that original well, TV taping is ridiculous. Like Anderson and Gallows, right that's there. what I mean. Like you can't use half of it. Like yeah, I mean, so it's like it, 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 the taping is so old and long in the tooth that there's people who are under contract other places now. So, but yeah, that it, 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 they're, they're of no concern. So now you know you're. Gonna All right, I got I got to look up who's on this TV taping here real quick. Not to get too far off topic, but. Well, it's the Bollywood boys. And, yeah, let's, let's uh, see who can Bucks still actually be used. So let's see. Um, PJ Black. I don't think because he's got Lucha Underground, right? Can you even? PJ Black, that's right. He's under contract now. Uh, I, Jigsaw. I who, hey, I know who wasn't at the tapings. Candice LeRae. <laughs> hey, that's where if I had a crust of the clown, if I had a soundboard right here, I'd do the crust of the clown. Hey, hey, yeah. Uh, Christina Von Erie, I believe you're, uh, you can. Knock yourself out and use those all you want. Uh, Bullet Babe, Amber Gallows, uh, the former Chris Masters. Oh, Bobby Roode. I forgot you can't use Bobby Roode. Uh, Reno Scum and the Bollywood Boys. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> great show. Reno Scum should be somewhere. <laughs> I like those guys. Oh, boy. Adam Thornstow. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's great. These are terrible tapings. Good God. <laughs> Oh boy! All right. Well, yeah, that's that's Global Force Wrestling for you. They got but... some shows coming up the next couple of weekends. <laughs> More power to them. There's him. a uh, uh, Pat Buck is having a grudge match with uh, who the hell is he facing? I can't even remember. <laughs> oh, isn't he facing Magnus for the title I don't on know. one of the shows? I don't know. I, think I don't so. care. World champion Magnus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Global Force World. How many people <laughs> listening to this would have known that before I said that he was the Global <laughs> Force champion? No, he was in Global Force. I shouldn't have said. I should have posed it as a question. And said, "Don't look it up." Actually, no. I'm going to look here. One sec. Let's see. Let's see how good you are about your global force. Wrestling. It's definitely Magnus. No, you're right about that. I know that now that you mention it. It's oh, I forgot okay, how ugly that title. Me. Yeah, I want to see. We'll play champions. a little game. Okay. Play a little game of who's the global force wrestling champion. So let's see. All right. <clears throat> All right. Yes, you're going to be pretty good at this. All right, your global force wrestling global championship. Nick Aldis is your champion for Magnus. Yes. All right, who is your neck uh, nex uh, asterisk gen champion? You know what? I think it's the Booker Man, Sanjay Dutt. You are correct. All right. Ding, 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 ding. Two for two. Yeah. A little, like, applause. There's a soundboard applause. All right. Who is your Global Force Wrestling Women's Champion? This is the only one that I'm iffy on. I think, I think it's Amber Gallows. Do you want another guess? Because it's not Amber Gallows. Damn it. Then I'm going to go with Von Eri. Yep. Von Eri has held the title for 202 days. I can't take credit for that one. Does she have any title defenses? I don't think so. Let me see. <laughs> no, <laughs> she doesn't. She beat it. She defeated Amber Gallows in a tournament final to become the inaugural champion. So, do you know who isn't the women's champion? Candice LeRae. And then you did she blow an opportunity, Rich? <laughs> to really, she could have really grabbed the business by the horns. Yeah, two hundred and two days. Uh, and then your uh, Gold Force Wrestling Tag Team Champions. I know this one. This is the Bollywood Boys. Yep. How many defenses do you believe the Bollywood boys have had to this point? I think they have a couple. I think they have three. Mm, 
this thing says no. <laughs> they have none? This, this thing says no. But, uh, okay. but let's see, let me check the cage match and see what the cage match has to say. I I, I trust Wikipedia, I but I could have swore they had a few defenses. Or did they just like bring them to the ring with them? That's possible. No, right here it says okay. Right here it says uh, in ECCW Extreme Cha- Canadian Championship Wrestling, it's right. that they uh, defended against the West Coast Connection. So there you go. Okay, that's a big time defense. That's big. It's not a big time defense. <laughs> I don't know who the West Coast Connection is. <laughs> it's uh, Alex Plexus and Nelson Creed. Yeah, it's not. That's not a big time defense. <laughs> that's I it know Mag- Magnus has some lousy defenses too. He, he defense. Magnus has many defenses against local competitors. Let's just put it that way. So they, that, that those aren't. They have two defenses. The Bollywood Boys have two defenses. They also beat uh, also in extreme uh, Canadian Championship Wrestling. They beat the American Guns, Ethan HD and Mike Santiago. Well, you know, Ethan HD is a follower of the Voices of Wrestling Twitter. Account, is he really? And he might even be a listener. Yes, I've had several exchanges with him. There you go. Hi, welcome. Um, so, hello, Ethan HD, and I'm I'm sorry you came up short. Uh, he never uh, he doesn't follow us anymore, actually. Per oh, his no? Twitter, no, he has unfollowed us. We so. must have annoyed him. Oh. Um, that's yeah, surprising. So. <laughs> that's that's not shocking. So. <laughs> hey, listen, he he's. He he followed us when we had like less than a thousand followers. So he's the one who fell off the train because we're steamrolling ahead, baby. He's from Chicago. We really he lives in Chicago now. I have not seen him. What? Well, I mean, you know. But he doesn't now wrestle. That, now that I know he doesn't follow us, I can bury him. He's not very good. So who's going to book him in Chicago? Jeez. A, a burgeoning scene. Right? Yeah, I mean, but he's going all the way what to like British Columbia to wrestle. It's like, geez. All right, well, whatever. Have fun. You know what? Someone should really shoot on Magnus and like, <laughs> take the title, Luthez style, and win that Global Force gold. Let's well, see. Literal, literal Global Force. Gold. Yeah, I was gonna say. Like, and then they can hold up Jarrett for the title. Is what should happen. <laughs> In an iron. Okay, let's see who uh, Nick Aldis. I'm curious who he's. Uh... Let me ask you a question. <laughs> as you're looking that up, let's say Nick Aldis was defending against Pat Buck this weekend. Okay. Okay. And Pat Buck decided, you know what? I want to shake up the industry. I'm gonna shoot on on Magnus, <laughs> and and I'm gonna win the t- I'm gonna win I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna armbar this man and win the title. How much money do you think he could hold up Jeff Jarrett for to get the belt back? Do you um, think Jarrett would even bother. He might give him like one thing of gold. Like how much is gold worth at this point? Oh, you think he'd pay him off in, in global in literal global, <laughs> global force gold. gold? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like a, a brick of global force gold for the global force. We say, gold? look, Buck, I'll put you in the middle of the pyramid scheme. <laughs> back my belt i'll put you at the mid-level i don't know what do you it's mean a pyramid look, scheme I think, no i don't think it's a, what do you mean pyramid scheme get out look, of here look we got wrestlers who listen to this one of you guys should get booked against madison shoot on <laughs> Just him do it and win the global force t- i would like to see that happen oh they had a good opportunity in april so it bram uh defended because bram we know uh is a man who can who can shoot on people bram might shoot on you you're right you and- know, you'd have to be a woman yeah, unfortunately, yeah, but he, he, he'll Mickey James would have to be in the ring for him to really want to do it, but um, That's right. the, it was the TNT, it was the tried and true pro wrestling joint show with Global Force Wrestling called Show of Force at the old Wilma Rudolph Event Center in Clarksville, Tennessee. Oh, well, I mean, that was Magnus. a time event. Uh, yeah, so here we go. So we got, uh, he's got one, two, three, four defenses, old Magnus. Uh, all Three of them in the UK, he defeated Joel Redman, John Klinger, and Cyanide. Hey, John Klinger, that's bad bones. I'll trust you. That's bad Oh, bones. you're right. Yeah, okay. There you go. 
Don't ever doubt me. No, you got it. Uh, and then, yeah, then he took a month off and decided at this joint show uh, to defeat Bram, and that has been it for the Global Force Global title. Until this so, weekend, baby. Yeah. Buck's shooting on him. Uh, did you get the idea in Buck's head? I hope he's listening. He's probably rich. thinking of it right now, yeah. <laughs> pew, pew. He's a shooter. Do <laughs> you think Pat Buck could beat up uh, Magnus in a, in a fight? I, I feel like he couldn't. No offense, Pat Buck. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either man's credentials, to be honest. It's not always the biggest guy, though, as we know, in, in, in famous no, WWE fights. Not. It's definitely a... Pat Buck's a Jersey guy. We fight dirty. That's, I was going to say, that's good. Yeah, I don't know about... You know, Where's old Magnus from? Uh, Where's he? Oh, he's from the UK. Oh, no, I don't know. He could have a shooter, you know. He could. He I always could. talked he about, might. you know, bare knuckle. Was he a bare knuckle fighter like Steven Regal before he became a wrestler? He may have been. I don't. I, I, I don't think so. Him. But I think he was on Gladiators, if I remember correctly, wasn't he? He was. Yeah, right. was American Gladiator. You're right. <laughs> he was a British Gladiator. Wasn't <laughs> right. He? I think so. British version. So if they're using the big Q-tips, though, he'll be uh, he'll be ready to go. But I got to give him the edge. Then he was an American Gladiator. So I, think that <laughs> I don't know if that means you're his tougher, training. But. No, well, he played Powerball and all, you know, so I think that that gives him the edge in the, in the shoot fighting because the joust, like you're saying, yeah, the giant Q-tip. Or if he's shooting a, uh, a gun that has, uh, like, plush balls in it, he'd be definitely a... <laughs> I like the crossbow, like the bow and arrow gimmick, the crossbow one. Yeah. Gotta, like, that was my favorite uh, thing to shoot the target with. I was always interested in that because some people would just totally blow it. Like they'd pull the trigger and it would just flop in front of them. Like it wouldn't even fly. I, I never understood that. They're like, okay, you have these American, these gigantic men and these gigantic women and everyone's strong. And yes. then like half the time they're like behind a gun or like, and, like shooting that. Like what the hell is this? Like, right. The, the big event that it all came down to was like you had to like shoot a target. <laughs> like what the fuck? The Why does it matter how big sh- you are? Like the, other, the gladiator was shooting Nerf balls at him <laughs> right. while you were trying to like hit a target with a football. Like, yeah. Like it had nothing to do with size, strength, athletic, nothing. No. I mean, the ultimate event should have been that game where they would take the balls and you had a gladiator in front of you and you had to somehow slam the ball into the like trash can without getting tackled. <coughs> yeah, that was strength. Yeah, perfect. I used to love that. People used to get murdered playing that game. In fact, I think every kid played that in the backyard after watching <laughs> Cut their head, head open, yeah. We would all give each other concussions and destroy each other. You know, trying to throw Nerf balls into the garbage can. But, uh, but yes, yeah, since he was an American gladiator, I'm going to give him the edge. Okay. But I don't even know if he's defend. I don't even know if it's Buck that he's defending. Against, but he definitely <laughs> I has a suppo- defense. Suppose we should look that up since that was the, uh, the entire point of our uh, Nick Alda. All right. Well, Global Force, you can probably pull up their cards this weekend on the old cage match. And uh, Let's see. Global Force Wrestling. Oh, that was in January. Sorry. Global Force. I'll just go to I'll go to the actual Global Force Wrestling website because you know that's where you get your info from. Let's see here what uh, <laughs> buy, <you can't. laughs> buy, buy Global Force gold. Uh, they they do have a sale for gold, but it says buy your own fully licensed and logoed Global Force Wrestling belt. Order here. Like you could just shoot on Magnus and get your own belt. You don't need to buy it from them. You know, he's got to beat him in Powerball, and you can, uh, you know, whatever they called that gimmick. All right, they still got Mike the... Adam Lee will be on commentary, and it'll it'll all come together. Uh, Larry Zonka, Friday, April, not that Jesus. Larry Zonka either, the former Dolphin Larry Zonka. Oh come on, the guys, update Larry your Zonka. website. I got I got to. That four one one shyster. Uh, let's see here, thirteenth. There it is in Joppa, Maryland. No, yeah, that's not. Comes. Is yeah. that the one? That's tomorrow. Okay, let's May see. May thirteenth. Is Pat Buck? Uh, Pat on this show. <laughs> They're having another. He's on a show. I know. This is Collision show. Course, and uh, there's no card list. Kevin Matthews is on a show too. <laughs> this must not be the right one, then. Let's see. Obviously, traveling together. <laughs> you think? 
I'll take Magnus over Kevin Matthews in a shoot fight. Uh, let's see here. Oh, Jesus. No, they're not showing anything. They're on, like, Pennsylvania and shit. I don't know what the... Put their Twitter account. <laughs> I don't know. Global Four. Horrible. What are we doing? I don't know. Now this is I, a terrible show. Yeah, I, I mean, okay, we're gonna get this. All right, let's see. No, it's Joppa, Maryland. Yeah, but the, collision course. You, there's more than maybe it's next weekend. But look on their Twitter account. <laughs> Who's uh? I'm looking at the posters here. Global Force fans. Global Force fans Twitter account. How about that? <laughs> hey, do you remember the Join the Force hashtag? I do. Yeah, yeah, that was good. All right, so what's going on? So I got on Brandon this, uh, Scott versus Pat Buck on the 15th. That's the AML Global Force joint show. Um, <laughs> I won't lie. I got nothing here. It 